Hey everyone, Tots, Bots, and Thoughts. We're back for another installment of the weekly catch-up podcast. Soon we'll rebrand as the Once in a Blue Moon Surprise We're Back podcast. It's Saturday, March 27, 2021, and this is episode number 64 of our humble little show. I'm your host, Carson Gibbons, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, the one and only Mr. B-Rad Colvin. That'd be me. What's happening, B-Rad? What's not happening? Hey, man, happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. I'm glad that we could come together in fellowship today. Absolutely. And we share are it. here. A little potluck. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have haystacks right after this. Mm. It's Passover, too. So yeah. it's like a big Sabbath for everybody. Yeah, Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are sitting here in Dallas, Texas, coming to you live from Victory Park. We're watching the WC WGC Dell Championships as we uh, record this podcast. And I appreciate you coming over for a weekend sesh, buddy. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's been like 34 days. Has it? Who's counting? You know? <laughs> so Several of some, the fans. Some people yeah. are counting, yeah. I've, I've gotten some... You know, again, still getting that unnecessary outreach. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I feel like everything that we did last podcast where we were like, you know, we're going to take a few weeks off. Um, Maybe they didn't hear that part or they just didn't care. Uh, (laughs) I I thought I heard two or three weeks off. and It's been like a month plus. No, not even. It was February 24. And it's March 27 now. Oh, well, time flies. Sorry, Tots, but... Uh, Brad, Brad was out living a lot of life that I'm anxious yeah. to dive into and hear more about. Absolutely. I haven't gotten any updates on Vegas, on the road trip, on... Been been holding it all in for the show. <laughs> Were you ready to get it all out? <laughs> what happens in Vegas winds up on the podcast, apparently. Yeah, yeah man. Um, let's get it! It's the weekly catch-up with Carson and Brad. Here to talk about the week we done had. It could be sports, religion, politics. We keeping the tabs. You would think they work for Gucci, how they deep in their bag. Get your facts up. On Wednesday, we'll be counting the stats up. So turn the volume up till it's maxed up. You know the drill. So tell a friend to tell a friend to relax up and chill. We back up. This is the weekly catch up. So not only have I not recorded with you since February 24, have I seen you since February 24? No, we've chatted here and there, but we have not seen each other in the flesh since then. Oh, wow, man. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a big deal because I've seen you most weeks for 60 some odd weeks. Well, yeah, I guess the first 50 or so, and then right. uh, we've been more sporadic. So it's, it's really good to see your face again yeah you just got a fresh fade or something i did thanks for noticing um i was looking (laughs) like this caveman and you know the mask restrictions are not uh as crazy as they used to so the barber that i use allowed me to take off my mask so they could actually like clean up the front of my beard and uh now i look more put together which is nice you look very gq you look like a classic man that beard is like very I'm a classic man. Hey, all right. <laughs> last week, I felt like I looked like an ogre. So I'm maybe it's a good thing we didn't record last week. Well, you went out west, though. You've been. Yeah, I, I knew that we'd be going. I was like, my beard was getting kind of gnarly. But I'm like, we're going to the Grand Canyon. We're going to do some hiking. I was like, I want to look like a mountain man. Yeah, I don't want to be all barefaced for yeah. these elements. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I got to blend in. You know, if a bear tries to attack me or something, I got to growl back and 
needed watch- some fur on my face. Have you watched The Revenant? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that is the most graphic bear attack scene with Leo yeah, it was, DiCaprio it ever. It was tough. It was tough. Did he? It's, is that where he finally won his Oscar? Oh, I don't know. That, that's that's worth a Google. Um, I'll do that now. I'll be yeah. young Jamie for us. But uh, he's probably won several, I thought. No, the, the whole meme was that he gave all these great performances but never won anything. I think The Revenant was the first time. Maybe he's won since then. Okay, Leo DiCaprio Academy Awards. Academy Awards. Not Best it. Actor 2016, The Revenant. Yeah. Uh, Best Actor in 2020 for Once Upon a Time nominee. You're right. He's been a nominee for Once Upon a Time, The Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Blood Diamond, The Aviator, What's Eating Gilbert. This dude does not make a dud. Right. You forget that he got his break on Titanic. Like, yeah. The largest I mean, just right out Avatar. the gate is just incredibly successful. He's uh, he's. Do you remember Blood Diamond? How powerful that movie was. Yes, it was. It was great. Uh, I remember. Uh, okay, let me be a little bit more honest. I remember feeling things, but I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember like the entire plot. Like I don't know if he lived or died. I don't know. Oh yeah, no. Okay. I mean, diamonds. Somebody was crying in Africa. Right. I was yeah. moved. I cried myself. Yeah. It's basically about conflict uh Diamonds, yeah. conflict mining and mm-hmm. you know the repercussions of yeah i always hate those films where it reminds me of the ballad of buster scruggs or whatever it was you told me about that where it just shows people out in the brutal elements like with no access to uh you know modern medical assistance or any of the amenities yeah. and I-, I would not have lived long back in the day like I- I, I, I tell you, I camped one night at the Grand Canyon and um Did you really? Yeah. Did you go to the basin? Not the basin. We a lot of it was closed. So we were able to access the south, the southern rim. Um and we camped it's my favorite rim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we camped near nearby. Um like at, at one of the Grand Canyon actual camping spots and uh ended up being twelve degree weather at night. It was uh it you was were one, in a tent? Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know this part. Yeah, I know. Okay, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, so you know, we're talking about surviving the elements and everything. I got a, t- I got like a, a taste of it. Obviously, we still had snacks and water, and there was a bathroom that was in walking distance. So um, there was a yeah. horse you could crawl into. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I, I, we, you know, Courtney had the wherewithal to bring a bunch of hand warmers and everything. So you know, she she's just a genius, but. Uh, we busted a bunch of those out, stuffed them down my pants and my socks. It, it, the night got pretty cold. It was uh, <laughs> it was an experience, but I'm glad we have the story. Yeah. Okay. Do you, we can dive into that whenever you want, or I I could continue on Leo for I mean, probably the entirety of the podcast. I feel like the pod. You know, we're talking about shifting and and uh how how the podcast is going to look moving forward if we just become a leo fan club and just like dissect his <laughs> movies from here on out <laughs> i mean I, I don't see any downside to it hey guys welcome back to, <laughs> to the leo fan club um oh. i i have a big uh man crush on on him just because he produces such amazing work the man. great gatsby dude I, I watch that every year with my students one of my favorite the sex scenes what was uh i think it was the ricky gervais uh emmy awards opening monologue one year where 
he was talking about the length of movies that were nominees that particular year. And they were like, you know, two, three, four hours. I think it was Mm -hmm. actually once upon a time was like three hours and something minutes with him and Brad Pitt. And he goes, uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately for Leo, you know, the movie is so long that he took a date to the premiere. And by the end of the movie, she was too old for him. (laughs) 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 Sure. He loved that joke. Um, well, before we get into like what we've been up to and your trips and travels and all that, uh, you were talking about podcast format and all that. So let's just tell them. Sure. Let's tell them what we've been discussing. Absolutely. We're quitting the show. (laughs) I mean, eventually. Yeah. 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 But like I've been, I've been reading Die With Zero Man Mm -hmm. and with all the, uh, extenuating circumstances of the year, uh, you know, just go ahead and tell yourself we're quitting. Um, this is one of the last times that we'll ever get together and podcast mm. for the tots. Mm. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things The the podcast, whenever it does end, you know, we'll die, but our friendship won't, and we'll still continue hanging out. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll find another way to, to reach all of our friends and family and let them know what's going on. Maybe you'll just start getting more phone calls from us. Maybe uh, you can like call me each week, and I'll bounce the call, and you can leave me a voicemail, oh. and then I can like listen to it, and you can like narrate we'll play, a little we'll show play, for me. Yeah, we'll do like a little uh, voicemail tag. It's like you know, you you give me a couple a couple seconds, and then and then uh, yeah, no, that's not gonna work. Well, let's you know, for anybody that's uh, freaking out, you know, we, we are gonna be quitting the show. We have no idea when per se, but yeah. with um, you know, we. The thing that we really have prided ourselves on, and I give Brad a whole bunch of this credit, the majority of it, due to the commute to the podcast, but just so faithfully done weekly for the longest time. And it led to repeat offenders on you know the listening front. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to get reacquainted with us to just dive right back in and re-engage. And like, yeah. you remembered... Oh, Carson got attacked by a bird last week. Wonder what happened this week. You know, like it, yeah. we didn't have to kind of like wade back in. And so we're not going to do the show necessarily on Wednesdays yeah. moving forward or necessarily weekly. If you listen to the song, it says we'll be counting our stats up every Wednesday. That doesn't mean we have to come out with an episode um, on a Wednesday. You know what I mean? I thought it was stacks like money or stacks, but. What's, Wait, what stacks it? are we counting? It could be stacks. I think it's stacks. It's pro- it probably is. I don't even know our theme song. Of course we're quitting. <laughs> 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 Sean. I don't uh I always thought it was stacks and I'm like, ooh, yeah, these were rich. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. That makes more sense. Um but you know, as, as soon as you said the podcast is ending, like I'm already looking forward to next week. You know 100%. what I mean? hundred percent. I feel like it takes a little bit of pressure off. I don't know how, but it just feels like, hey, this is a thing that we're doing. It does have finality. We don't know what that looks like or when it will be, but we're just going to enjoy the ride while we're doing it. Mm-hmm. That feels good to me. Yeah. I. It's weird. Like we've had different expectations for what we would get out of this or put into this at different times. And at the same time, I still remember, I think it was a Saturday uh, that we recorded that first ever. I stayed the night with you. We woke up and you're just like, hey, 
why don't we just hit record? And, uh, <laughs> and you can tell that's exactly what we did if you go back and listen to episode one. And um, we put a little bit more thought into it over the course Bro, of the following episodes. How authentic are we for not having pulled episode one off of, you know, the feed? You know, just like being vulnerable I mean, out there with no mics. We don't know where this is going. We still don't. But I love keeping it there because if you listen from the beginning, you can you can see the rapid growth in us as podcasters. I, I came in here today. You know, I, I feel like a professional. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and maybe that's just because after every episode, like you guys hype us up and and say everything that you've been saying. I I. I I received a lot of great heartfelt messages after uh, last episode, which really, really meant a lot. I'm glad I could share some of that story with you and you guys could know in greater detail where my head was at and everything. And that's been great. Um, so jokes aside, thank you so much for that. But yeah, came in here this morning feeling like a million, like I feel like I have been counting my stacks up. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like amateur hour coming into this one. I'm like, not sure how good I'm going to do, but uh, I don't know, man. I, there is a, a level of comfort with it because it's just the Dude, two of they, us. And... They listened to us for like three weeks straight whenever we were just telling poop jokes. Like, they're, you know. Yeah. Y'all are dedicated. Thanks. Yeah, they know too much about us, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, way too much. At this point. Like, it's, yeah. Th there are positive aspects to that. Uh, I've seen, there. if there's ever a situation where I guess your character could be called into question... I was sometimes concerned about like, oh, well, could people locate me through the podcast and then determine a certain thing about my personality or my character or my mm. um, uh, seriousness or whatever. And, you know, as I've had fears, you know, in, in recent history about somebody evaluating my character, or could they think whatever? I'm like, actually, this is kind of a great case study that's out there. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, there's something to be said for having a, two hour long conversation with a friend, you know, very consistently yeah. where people can listen and they're like, you can form your own opinion about whether or not I'm crazy or, you know, yeah. you kind of many have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's confirmed. Yeah. Um, um, no, but there, there's something to be said for uh, saying that something's going to end and it's the whole concept of die with zero. And um, I want to talk more about that later. Cause absolutely. I think that it, it came at a, a great time for me and it's going to come at a great time for you. And, um, I'm still can't wait to read it. I'm almost done with it. So I'll, I'll finish it and send it right home with you. Awesome. Um, but again, shout out to buff and abroad for like really diagnosing a situation that he was hearing and, you know, two guys that were very even keel and everything's always going to be stagnant. We're always going to have our support systems and mm -hmm. be able to do whatever we want. And, you know, the diminishing, it, a dollar today in terms of what you can do in terms of creating memory dividends and life experiences is going to, it's going to turn into a dollar 20 in five years mm -hmm. or a dollar 50 yeah. that you'd have to spend to accrue the same level of memory dividend. If your health, you know, holds up in that amount of time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, it is weird how it takes the pressure off when you announce that you're quitting the podcast and it was always inevitable, but we're thinking that, you know, you're going to be looking to grow up and yeah. purchase a home maybe. Yeah, dude. Got some updates on that. Um, Getting married. Got some updates on that. I mean, it's happening. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. What are the updates on the house? Um, we both sent in our information to see what we could get approved for this week, and it was like glowing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, our realtor looked at it, and um, basically we they passed this thing out like once in a blue moon, maybe once a year, a couple times a year, um, that we are going to be listed as guaranteed buyers. Like our credit scores look so great and our savings and our um, paychecks and everything look so great that whenever other people are being considered, like we are at the top of the list whenever we put our bid in because of our glowing um whatever you want to call it. Okay, 1%. That's cool. Bougie out here. Look at you. Yeah. Titans of education and healthcare. Purchasing a home together. That's what we do. Dinks. (laughs) You familiar with that term? Nope. Dual income, no kids. Mm, True. Dinks. Dinks for the win. I like that. That's that's yeah. that's a goal. (laughs) I know it's not your goal for long. (laughs) Um for a for a little while. Yeah. But in, in prepping for all of that, it's just like you see how life gets in the way of um, something that's optional. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. This doesn't make us money per se. It gives us a lot of other things. It gives me a lot of those memory dividends. And I'm glad that we just bit the bullet and did it when we did it because yep. that was the only time of our lives that we were going to be able to do that. Dude, and man, how much life have we lived since episode one? Like. It, it it's just crazy to see the prog- the progression, the highs and lows, and um, it's actually very cool to have that recorded. Um, that we can always go back. You know, we can sh- we can show our future kids like, hey, this is what we were doing in this year. Like, if you really, you know, and whenever my kids are older, maybe I'll show them some of those more difficult episodes and show them what I was going through, and and uh, maybe that can be a lesson for them and, and a, um, I don't know, a a form of bonding with them. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because I mean, if I could have, (laughs) if I could have access to like a candid, like this is how I was feeling at this moment podcast from either of my parents, you know, especially if they were done at ages that I could then listen to at a comparable age and compare against and kind of understand like, okay, well, how did my flesh and blood react to X, Y, or Z? Or what were mm-hmm. they going through during this time period? And yeah. that would be, I mean, that would be super insightful, right? Right. Understanding more about your family and where you come from is always interesting. And yeah. I, it's so weird how none of us, do you know who your great grandfather was? Uh, no. Yeah. It's like, we don't really I, care yeah. past two generations. Like, I don't know my great grandfather or who his father was or you know where we come from or anything yeah i think uh, i've heard maybe a couple stories that have since left my recollection so (laughs) you know i will tell you that um in reflecting on our last episode i did get a lot of outreach from some of the tots that said yo uh you know how they have like the explicit warnings on podcasts like you needed to have the tearjerker grief warning on this one because <laughs> i think it was michael that said that he'd almost gotten into a wreck because yeah. he was crying like in the first 10 <laughs> right. minutes and <laughs> yeah uh it's somebody uh on a treadmill running and um 
they said that was dangerous too and uh really yeah um which i appreciate like you know because i talked about the last podcast like somebody saying that they almost cried for me like you know what i mean it's like hey the real ones y'all either felt away or you know you just showed your support which i appreciate um yeah good times i got feedback that they were surprised that we hadn't kind of edited it more like they were people were people on my side i'll tell you Mm -hmm. were more surprised at like the um the genuine editing which was none of that show yeah because we were kind of sniffling and no i i mean that was the purpose of us recording was to show people how we were really feeling like i i think it would i think this podcast would lose its credibility and everything that you know we're kind of working for if if we're um doing that kind of edit like the whole point of this is just to show two people's perspective and if we're taking out some of that perspective which includes us being vulnerable and emotional then what's the point yeah well kudos to you for that thanks man Uh, i feel like there's several big kind of trains of thought that we could get into a lot right off the bat we're talking money i i I eventually want to talk about uh yeah i i have some more updates as far as uh, stocks go and some other things that I've been looking into, which I want to get into later. Um, why don't we just go through my trip and then we'll get an update from you and how work's going and everything. And then we can move forward after that. Sure. Cool. Um, so spring break, we left on Friday, Courtney and I, and um, you know, we had friends that were flying into Vegas and uh, we decided to road trip it. And because we, we had a few stops that we wanted to make. So we stopped in Albuquerque, New Mexico and did some hiking over there, uh, which was actually very beautiful. Like once you uh, got into some of those places. Now, I will say there are also sketchy spots in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I hear it's one of the top places, if not the top places where, or top place where cars get jacked. Um, and I just driving around i could kind of see how that might happen bars on windows and different things like that that was the Uh, breaking bad yeah 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 absolutely and so um lots of drug still had a great time uh then we headed over to arizona and had a nice cabin over there and did some more hiking and um sorry go back what did you do in albuquerque why were you there just we needed needed a place to stop so it was just and, a night? Uh, we were actually there for two days just because like, we had the whole week and our friends weren't getting into Vegas until either Wednesday or Friday. And Vegas is expensive. And so we were just like, ah, you know, we'll take our time getting there. We don't need to drop all of our money on a Monday. Um, and so, yeah, we just took our sweet time. Did you uh, go through Roswell or look at any of the alien stuff? Did not, Okay, which would have been cool, but um we made our way to the grand canyon i've kind of already divulged that information uh it it was immaculate it was by far both of our favorite parts of the trip told you yeah told you is that not the most impressive when i saw that you were there the day of i was like i kind of took a moment to meditate and pause and just think like that that sound of the wind swirling through that huge canyon and it Mm -hmm. going for as long as the eye can see like you sizing that up for the first time Bro, and having that experience. You want to feel small? Yeah. Peer into the Grand Canyon. It it was breathtaking. Um, loved it. I cannot wait to go back. I actually would 
Um, you know, we just kind of did our own thing. I would love to go back camp there for several days in warmer weather and, um, get like a tour of it and go down, down into it and everything. But just from what I saw, man, was it impressive and, um, just a great memory. So we had a blast doing that. And then, uh, we trekked into Las Vegas before we got there, we went to the Hoover dam, which we didn't do a tour there. And we saw the Hoover Dam, but, you know, kind of after you see the Grand Canyon and then you look at the Hoover Dam, it was kind of like, okay. Yep. And, uh, yep, we get it. And impressive, like, you know, cool that somebody built that, you know, very intricate. Um, <laughs> but we were there for, like, all of 10 minutes and then <laughs> and then booked it. <laughs> we're like, okay, we get it. <laughs> did you did you go to Horseshoe Bend? Uh, Bradley! I, I Maybe no, you you would have known. You would okay. have known. It was near Page, Arizona, right by the Grand Canyon, bro. Uh, I, don't know. Yeah. I told you to go to Horseshoe Bend. My mistake, bro. Man, oh well. Yeah. So, so you got to the Grand Canyon on what day? Um, Tuesday. Tuesday. And then you camped there Tuesday, Tuesday night, night in twelve degree weather. Yeah. What was the Fahrenheit during the day? Um, it was snowing. All oh, day. yeah. And so it was like in the thirties and <laughs> you camped outside in a den. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a pretty cool experience. Though. I've never camped at the grand Canyon, yeah. made our own little fire, cooked our food, had some s'mores, you know, so, as, as I understand it, you can like get on a, a mule and go down to the, the basin mm -hmm. and like literally do like a rafting trip through the grand Canyon for like be... two weeks type deal and camp on the bank every night. And... That's ideal. Oh, well, that's that's probably bucket list, right? Yeah, no doubt. Um, and Courtney and I also agreed that we'll probably never, unless there's multiple destinations that we'd like to hit, we're not going to like road trip that hardcore again. Um, I'll get to more of that in, uh, here in a bit. But anyway, um, made it into Vegas and and chilled. Alec and Rochelle got there the next day. Oh, I got to tell you about our Thai massages. You got there. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> you got there Wednesday or Thursday? Uh, got there Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Wednesday we barely explored at all. You know, we were a little tired since we had just slept in a tent on the cold, hard floor. And, um, you know, we had mattresses. I'm going to get better ones in the future and better sleeping bags. Um, I think ours held to like 30 degrees, but we needed to go. Oh, you brought all this equipment. Yeah. Oh, Okay, mm -hmm. so you pulled up and valeted the Civic in Vegas with like camping equipment in the back. Yeah, dope. Where did you stay? Oh, uh, Park MGM on the Strip. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to stay in uh, Fremont downtown. Um, we had talked about it, but by the time we actually booked stuff, um, I found a deal on Priceline where it put me in like there there were three options and it was kind of randomized and it gave us park mgm we were happy with it it was cool yeah mm -hmm. cool yeah um so wednesday morning before alec and rochelle came in uh we did uh, courtney booked us some thai massages right so that's where they get up on your back and like walk around on you and do all that so she had checked off on the form that she wanted a you know kind of medium massage like pressure and stuff like that and she highlighted the spots where she needed i did the deep tissue massage and boy let me tell you 
it was an experience so you're just um, like i just want a heavier Thai person on me or what? not a heavier type more pre- <laughs> yeah that's good well i'm, I'm asking yeah. you're saying they walk around on your back it's like well it's like you know i can put my hand on you and i can apply a little bit of pressure or more pressure or i can really push in there you know what i mean oh. so but I, I thought they were walking on you they did multiple things oh, okay. so it's not just walking on are they holding onto a rope on the ceiling while they mm-hmm. do that to like alleviate some of the pressure? Or are they putting all their weight on you? All my, all the weight, bro. Mm, okay. You, you don't know the half of it. All right? I don't. First of all, I get in there. I put my head down on the, the little hole that they have, and um, the covering that they have was like all scrunched up. So I was, I it, the hole was really only big enough to breathe through my mouth. Like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't really get much air through my nose and maybe I should have mentioned that because apparently, you know, an hour in, she like had me sit up for a sec and like she readjusted everything and then I could breathe just fine, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'm in there, deep tissue massage. Courtney is over there. She's enjoying hers. And, um, it was, it was painful. The most, the most guy, guy or girl. Okay. Yeah. I like you're like why why would there be a guy there, bro? Yeah, come on. Okay. Um so this yeah. girl's hurting you. <laughs> yeah, and Courtney's like kind of giggling like on on her little board. Uh, <laughs> I'm like doing my best to like not make painful noises or anything like that, but I'm just like I can't breathe. And so she, at one point, you know, she's, you just imagine she's pl- applying like really hard pressure. Like if you know where your pressure points are and anybody's ever messed with you and like pushed down on your neck, just imagine that happening all over your body. Then she decides to get up on the board with me. She takes my right leg and pins it behind my left leg and then proceeds to push my left leg until it's like hitting the back of my head. And I have not stretched that. I didn't even know I was capable of doing that. Pay for video footage of this. Oh like, my goodness! I she pinned your right leg. Yeah, like behind pushed it, uh, like kind of like yeah. behind there, and then and, wow. Yeah, and so I was kind of rocking like a little, uh, like a little horsey, like one of those toy oh. horsey things, and. My body just wasn't meant to bend that way. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> at one point, she like grabbed my hand and like I squeezed her her hand because it, it was just so much pain. <laughs> and she's like, "Okay, like you can hold on, but don't break my hand." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Okay." And she's like, "Brad, you have to you have to relax. You have to relax." And I'm like, "You're the one applying the pain. Like if you weren't pressing so hard, I wouldn't be this tense. I, I am a tense person to begin with." But you are little. You were literally prodding me, and I just pictured this little Thai woman like working you over like a rocking horse, like rolling you back and forth like Cirque du Soleil. Listen, man, it it could have been in a movie. I I tell you. Um, what was another part? She, oh, oh yeah, she was like uh, massaging my lower back, kind of my glutes and everything, and she's like, "You need to relax." And I'm like, kind of clenching because, you know, once once she gets the body moving everything like i i had to pass gas i'm not gonna lie and so she, oh my god so she's like on my bag like telling me to unclench and i'm like lady if i did this like, <laughs> like <laughs> you would be so angry at me right now and i don't know how to say that like i'm in there with my fiance and the, the masseuse is massaging her and everything and oh um, my goodness it was just it, like <laughs> i'm having to clinch while i'm in so much pain and 
Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next. I, I, I'm just like, and I can't breathe through the little air hole. <laughs> You're like, back I'm like at, gasping for air. Back at Park MGM, like, I just crapped myself <laughs> off. I was a human rocking horse. <laughs> Bro, I, yeah. So I, uh, moral of the story is I'm never going to check off deep tissue again. I'm going to do like the lightest one. I was sweating. The, the whole process made me so I felt like I had just had a strenuous exercise. The next day, I had felt like I had been bench pressing and, and, and working my shoulders. Like it felt like a full workout. Bro, and- I, I don't I don't get any of that. When I go, I'm like, I want a woman, tell her to go light. This is to make yeah. me feel good. Well, you I know. You know, we had just slept in a tent. I'm like, I have some kinks on my neck. I need them to really get in there. And they really got in there. Yeah. It was uh it was a whole thing. That's how you started your Vegas experience. Yes. Was getting ridden yeah. like a rocking horse. Right. Pooping all over yourself. Well, that didn't actually happen, but So did it, you end up uh farting at any point during yeah. this? No, no. Just that yeah, held on tight. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I usually tense up when they get down to my glutes just because I'm like, ooh, that tickles, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. No, the the force was so hard, like none of it tickled, even whenever they got to my feet. Like it was all pain. Wow. Yeah. So before you go any further, can I please tell you one of my favorite stories of Vegas with none other than our buddy John? Oh, please. Okay. So we're both in our 20s at this point. We're in Vegas with some friends, and I don't know if it was the people that we were with or who chose this, but they made us go to that Cirque du Soleil show, uh, Zumanity, mm. which is their sex show. Yeah. And I didn't quite understand that, but I knew that we'd gone through some sort of package, and we had, we had courtside seats. We had couch seats next to the stages. Oh, wow. So to start this performance off, they have like an MC and he's this crusty old gentleman in like a rhinestone, <laughs> you know, um, uh, suit that doesn't have like, he's not wearing a shirt or anything. And it's okay. like very form fitting. And he's like, yeah. And he's like spanking his own butt. And then he's making oh. people in the audience do it. He's like working them up. So he's like interviewing people on the couches. He's you know, straddling them, making them like touch him. Like it's a very strange thing. The next thing you know, there's a, it, it looks like a fishbowl. A fishbowl like descends from the ceiling. Okay. And there's two Asian girls in little like flipper thongs that are doing synchronized swimming around this fishbowl and coming to a head to like make out with each other type deal. Like it was, the tone was being set, yeah, but nothing could compare to the finale because Zumanity was recruiting uh, volunteers and unwitting volunteers. Ah. And this was, you know, happening throughout the show for various reasons. And so I'm becoming more and more agitated that somebody might do something to me <laughs> or require something of me. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, for the grand finale, they had... I don't even remember quite was occurring, but there was uh, potentially little people on stage, mm-hmm. uh, big Eastern European women in like next to nothing that ended up coming into the crowd. They found John. They mm-hmm. pulled John onto 
a rotating stage, started taking his clothes off. They commented that um, they were like, oh, he's so pale. (laughs) (laughs) So they're roasting him while this is occurring. And so the next thing you know, John is lying down on a rotating stage with two Russian women on top of him as the stage rotates and everything happens concurrently. Yeah. And I'm freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) It was the weirdest experience ever. Like, yeah. Audience participation in that situation was so scary. He took the full brunt of everything that night. Like they took partial clothing off, like exposed him to an entire gallery of people in a theater. Yeah. And what were his thoughts afterward? Yeah, he was he was down. He he was unaffected. Um, you know, typical typical John status was Held down. able to take it, didn't didn't care. Um, I mean, I think he he came off like kind of sheepish, like, wow, that was crazy, right? Like <laughs> we've been in a we've been in a bunch of crazy scrapes with John. Sure, so yeah. you know he's like a uh, normal day. He's like, Well, when in Vegas, you know. <laughs> oh, I, I can't think it imagine was, if it had been you instead. Oh man, I I was so concerned, especially because I they kept eyeing me because they'd already pulled him on stage and we were on the same couch and I'm like, why did we get these couch seats? <laughs> like, put me in the actual like stadium seating. Like, yeah. this is ridiculous. I didn't realize that it was. I don't know what I thought when they said it was a sex show. I'm like, oh, it's like a sexy show. <laughs> like, people are just gonna do gymnastics and it's gonna be sexy. It's nope. Like, no. Fish bowls, audience participation. Mm-hmm. It was scary. Yeah. So. You don't fart. You go back to Park MGM. Yeah. You feel violated. I'm sure you sat in the shower and cried for a while. I laid down for a long while. So you got there Wednesday, mm-hmm. and then Alec and Rochelle got there Wednesday? Yeah. So we hung out with them that night. We went over to Fremont and hung out. Where were they staying at? Um, The first night, they stayed at a very nice hotel, in which I'm forgetting the name Hold on. I can go back through our messages. Um, if you want to continue. Can you like continue the story while you do that or well, it's like, one thing at a time? Yeah, you know. You've, I feel you, bro. You want to do one thing at a time. Were, they were either at the D or if they Oh, were the first night they stayed at the Venetian. Okay. And had an, had an incredible room. Did you uh, walk through the Venetian? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah um you went through the shops and like the canals and all of that yes those squares that they i love how vegas will pull off like Mm -hmm. an uh, like an indoor outdoor setting within one of the uh the grand shops yeah oh i love that and then george and madadi and tosh and gavin and janet they all got there um friday and they stayed at the palazzo okay yeah. So you were all on the strip. Yeah. Nobody stayed downtown. No. How much time did you spend downtown? Where all did y'all go? I mean, we walked basically the in- I mean, we walked the entire strip. So but you never went downtown. Yeah. When did you go to Fremont? Um Wednesday night and Saturday night. Okay. Yeah. So you like took an Uber yeah. About six minutes. Okay. Yeah. And dude, the Uber situation is insane out there because no, like nobody's working because well, that's every, kind of the situation everywhere. Well, especially in Vegas though, um, because they made more money cashing in on unemployment than they would have made Ubering. So they just stopped Ubering. 
That's what the taxi drivers were saying and everything. We actually had, we, Courtney and I were fortunate on Saturday night. We had been waiting maybe about 30 minutes trying to get an Uber and had no luck. And we were able to flag down a taxi who had just dropped somebody off and um, just paid her cash. Taxis are more of the, they're like a little bit more regulated there. And yeah, um, I remember when I was there in New Year's Eve, uh, took Ubers and taxis, but as it got to be New Year's Eve, like you couldn't get an Uber or a taxi mm-hmm. stood out front of Aria in the taxi line for upwards of two hours, New Year's Eve. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Um, but as far as Vegas goes, like, no, we didn't have really any crazy stories. Um, you know, just did a lot of people watching. I gambled here and there, lost a total of 60 bucks, which I used the money that I had made off of uh, Dogecoin because <laughs> uh, I made like 350 bucks off of that. So spent some money, lost 60 bucks, didn't feel too bad about it. We went to the Mob Museum, which was awesome. Okay. Um, that's uh, like a street over from Fremont. And um, they had like a bunch of different things, You like different paraphernalia. They had different uh, guns that were used um, by high profile mobsters. They even had one of the out, like this obviously isn't a real mobster, but they had uh, one of the attires worn by Walter White from Breaking Bad on display. Um, so we did that. And then I uh, went into their speakeasy and got like a, a tour of their distillery and everything. And uh, they just talked about like the prohibition era and how people were making alcohol during that time that like a drink of it could make you go blind, but that's how desperate people were to get alcohol back then. And so that was interesting. Um, And so that might've been the coolest part for me as far as Vegas goes. I mean, it was, it was really great mob museum. Yeah, really? Vegas, Courtney and I kind of agreed. It's just, it's not really our lifestyle. Like we don't do a whole lot of craziness. So, um, you know, it it was, it was cool. And we were super glad to hang out with friends, ate a lot of good food, but in comparison to like everything else that we did that trip and especially again, going to the grand Canyon. I mean, that, that was the highlight of our trip. Um, but I mean, Vegas was still a great time. Well, given the, Honestly, given the year that you've had and, and knowing you to be the person that you are, especially with her, mm-hmm. I totally, I, I predicted that, but yeah. um, I'm not getting a real sense of like, it sounds like you guys kind of like bopped around and like somebody yeah. would play a hand and then you might all go to dinner and, mm-hmm. um, but you, nobody was like really there to gamble or see shows or. Well, I, there's still not a whole lot of shows out. There were yeah. some comedy shows and we looked up the comedians on YouTube and weren't entirely, uh, convinced that it would be a good show and i'm like ah we can do cheap comedy back home um and not spend as much money and some of the other shows like you said were the sex shows which we didn't want to go to and um yeah so i i think i'd go back to vegas if we had like a full itinerary and itinerary and we knew exactly what we were going to be doing but i mean it was cool walking around and everything but if we were just to do that then i might pass on the trip next time um yeah yeah it's a spectacle but you don't want to be there i'm definitely glad that i can say that i've been there and and did it and everything um it just bleeds you of money like a hundred percent it was just so i remember which i was prepared to lose money every time we'd go to the little uh like cafe mart at, at the 
bottom of like in uh where were we um where did i say the last time mm-hmm. um at the mandalay bay mandalay oh, bay it was like a hundred dollars you know yeah. if you wanted to go get a couple drinks uh a couple cokes a couple candy bars mm-hmm. necessities whatever always a hundred dollars everything was a hundred dollars minimum yeah. yeah and uh it was just insane like i remember new year's eve like minimum cover for like most of like tau and all of those places if you just wanted to like stand there and be able to buy drinks where it was like two thousand dollars to get in that's insane um but the the hotel resorts themselves the way that they bilk you is just i'm on hotel tonight i think i just got level six or seven Mm -hmm. recently and so i can get in and i booked caesars for 70 bucks i booked mandalay bay for like a hundred something a night yeah but then they have those resort fees and then if you have any room service Mm -hmm. fees which yeah room service if you know me i'm a glutton for room service Mm -hmm. i'll pretty much if a hotel is offering room service where i'm at like on a trip that's all i'll eat yeah you won't see me eat outside of the room right yeah i'm with you okay well yeah it was cool so when did you leave vegas sunday morning geez you were there forever (laughs) five days we were in vegas from wednesday to sunday wednesday thursday Saturday. okay yeah it's a long time i've never been there more than three days yeah um it was cool though and but yeah we made that 18 hour drive back with no stops except for gas and um we we got home around 3 a.m i took that monday off and tried to recoup Um, oh you drove straight through yeah oh you left sunday morning then just got home monday 3 a.m gotcha yeah and then you went back to teaching tuesday yes sir okay yeah awesome what were you saying about in the future, there will be no road trips or something. Oh, I mean, it's just kind of taxing. Like we enjoyed it. We travel really well together, but, um, you know, going into the grand Canyon, we're like, Oh, there's an airport like right here. And we could have just flown in. Like it, obviously during this trip, we wanted to make all of these stops, but, um, I'm just saying in the future, we might just fly and then rent a car. Like, you know, most people would do, um, that, that's all I was getting at is unless, unless there is a clear like destination, like we need to stop here and then here and then here, um, we'll be flying from here on out. Yeah. A lot of people view it that way. They, you know, they don't want to waste their time. Like, why would I do that when I could just mm-hmm. get there and, you know, have, have read a book instead of yeah. dr- driven on a two hour flight? Um, I, for me personally, I disagree. Like yeah. I know that, excuse me i know that sometimes you can save time and make more of maybe the in destination trip if there's mm-hmm. people you know waiting there for you or timely events but to me sometimes half the trip is the road trip yeah. and yeah. i have the I, journey was the real treasure I've, I've trekked you know road trips from dallas to niagara falls mm-hmm. uh dallas to um you know wyoming and yeah. south dakota and back uh, California and back several times, uh, East Coast, Baltimore, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, and back. Uh, did it with, um, I actually drove, I think I drove round trip in a weekend, like a three day weekend for a weekend wedding to Asheville, North Carolina. <laughs> and there were so many little pockets of the country that I would never really know about. Plus, yep. it gives me the opportunity to sit down and listen to Howard Stern interview Willie Nelson. Mm -hmm. And as I'm passing through 
a hometown of Billy the Kid or whoever, maybe I switch over the YouTube or the podcast to reflect that person's journey. Yeah. And it it's very meditative for me. Sure. Very and I, I understand that aspect of it too, and I'm not taken away from that. And I, I do it alone. Yeah. Uh, like I have zero qualms. Like most of those trips that I just mm-hmm. referenced were alone. Yeah. And there's Some nothing wrong not. with that. And, you know, we did have a great time and, and um, all the places that we stopped on the way to Vegas was, was great. Um, Bro, you should have switched out Hoover Dam for Horseshoe Bend. That was yeah. the big, that was the big gaff here, but we'll all go back sometime. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So that was just uh, a week ago then, because yeah. you taught Tuesday through Friday and today's Saturday, right? Here we are. Right on. Yeah. So... Yeah, I guess last time I recorded, I did say three weeks, but I opted not to do this past Wednesday just because I was still catching up on sleep. Um, and now I feel refreshed. And here we are on this lovely, beautiful Saturday. Yeah, man. Yeah. So give me an update on you. I don't have a whole lot of updates. It's just kind of been grind as usual because we've been coming up to the end of the quarter here. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, a lot of my updates are just, uh, work is like growing and it's very that's what i wanted to hear about you know we've gone from like five to 15 people and i know that uh, i was talking to a customer the other day that had 1400 people and so she was kind (laughs) of giggling a little bit but then i talked to another customer that's more familiar with startups and she was like oh wow like that's tremendous growth and as we've uh as we've grown we've uh, started to fire ourselves from certain positions that we held mm-hmm. or, or areas of oversight and bringing in specialists and more team members and um, infrastructure. And so it, it's been kind of wild. I was in a, a group social the other day and like met one of our new employees for the first time. I was nice. like, Hey, Michelle, like mm-hmm. wanted to come over and introduce myself. Like I'm Carson. Oh, I've been meaning to catch up with you. Like, so it's kind of wild. It's, yeah. it's like a, we're always in our virtual cloud office within appreciate social in our mm-hmm. rooms um, which make the onboarding socialization process so much more smooth for not only us, but our customers sure. that use the product. And when it comes to the brass tacks of like executing contracts and like, you know, um, vendor, vendor setup forms and all the things that might be associated with the sales process, it's like uh, the, the points of contact responsible for some of those tasks are changing mm-hmm. and, you know, you're going to the new person asking, are you up to speed enough to help me with this? And then you go back to the old person who's so focused on, yeah. you know, all the different things that they're having to do to scale the company up. And they're like, oh, you know, figure it out. Like, <laughs> So it, it's an interesting uh, dynamic. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like the first moment of scaling culture. Yeah. Well, I, I, because I, we were kind of talking about being able to listen back on other episodes and seeing how much can happen in a year. And like, I think that holds true to your time at appreciate like we can go back to whenever you first started and it it would appear maybe not every week but more often than not there's been some sort of growth in the company every time we discuss it um which i think is pretty awesome i appreciate that 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 feedback and that perspective because it's so true and it's so different than any other experience i've ever had professionally where when this latest batch of of new hires started, we hired a VP of finance, a new developer, we're hiring a marketing intern or manager, um, all these different people, I, I end up 
thinking to myself, like, well, when did this person come in? When did that person come in? And you're always trying to, in more of a, I don't want to say stagnant corporate environment, but, you know, something that is not changing as dynamically, um, something that's not being iterated on in terms of the product and the specialties being brought in to satisfy that growth. Um, You just think like, oh, well, I've been here longer than Susan or Beth. Mm -hmm. But in this situation, I had to go back to LinkedIn and like, see, when did Susie come in? When did Daniel come in? Um, When did I come in in relation to them? And what did the product look like at that time too? Because there's so many historical things that when you change the product all the time and half the time the features Mm -hmm. that you'll ship, you're like, why weren't these here to begin with? And you almost don't know how you interacted with the product prior to that feature being present. You just forget. And so when we try to go back in a time capsule and think, well, why was this doing better three months ago or why was this doing worse well let's go back and like read what we were doing with the product then like do we have a screenshot like i can't even visualize what it looked like or who was there to satisfy it then yeah. it's it's a mind screw it's it's sure the the growth from five to 15 is is insane yeah yeah nobody can diminish that um or if they tried they'd be fools it, it's also interesting to see how a, a purpose-driven founder and ceo can recruit it can vet and recruit like-minded, integrity-filled, hardworking people around him and to watch that culture and vision scale. Mm. And you get more and more qualified people on board. Like um, I, I was meeting with our new VP of finance the other day and um, have a lot of respect for his track record and his outlook and all of this stuff. And you know, I, I told him, I said, uh, the mere fact alone that we were able to recruit you and that we're having this meeting today shows me that I'm on the right track with something, mm. you know, because, like you know, when, when smarter people than you are coming in, you're yeah. like, all right, <laughs> you know, because that's the whole, you know, get out there. And it, it was interesting. We had a, a group social this week where we were talking about, we were recognizing each other verbally and also doing blitz chats yeah. of like keywords that come to mind when we were highlighting a particular person. And it was like very, uh, I was very honored because I was referred to as like one of the legacy people that, hey. you know, had kind of right. like been there through all of the different iterations uh, in the B2B go to market. And that, that felt very special. And it's those kind of moments that reinforce like this, this new person that we hired, Michelle, I, I can already tell she's going to be culture queen, you know, like yeah. she started the random Slack channel. Uh, you know, she'll follow up on like weird fun facts with the wiki about it or something mm-hmm. like she's adding a lot of like the interpersonal culture in many ways. And it's wild to watch. Sometimes when you have five people, you feel like, oh, we don't have a culture. We're just working yeah. so hard to try to like whack-a-mole and be strategic and plan for the future. Right. And then with 15 people, it's like there's there has to have been Kool-Aid and the Kool-Aid that – uh the Kool-Aid that was handed out at the beginning of this is really sticking and mattering. Yeah, yeah and... we spiked it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we spiked it with purpose. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but honestly, it's kind of like, it's going to sound stupid, but I, I think it's kind of like watching your toddler walk for the first time. Yeah. You know? Baby. Yeah, and there's, there's, like I said, there's growth, growth every week. I'm always seeing you on Twitter with a new a new tool that you guys have added uh, to appreciate, which seems pretty cool. I need to get back in. I, I know you've invited me a couple times and I was busy doing something or I was at home with no Wi-Fi, but I'd like to jump back in one of those rooms 
would love and, to and kind of see uh, what you've added. They're persistent now, mm-hmm. so it's like it's like Zoom. Like if you have my Carson's room link, you could enter it at any time because I've enabled it to allow uh, without to allow guests without the host being present. Awesome. So it's like ambient. It's like pervasively open. So we you, companies can recreate the lunchroom or the break room where I want to go see if anybody's mm-hmm. in there right now. Yeah, you know, like. And maybe there's nobody in there. Maybe there's 10 people all huddled having a yeah. secret conversation. Right. So Tots, um, I'm going to give you a particular time and we're all going to get in there and talk crap about Carson. Hey, <laughs> hey, what the? <laughs> Just jokes. Uh, I, I really should use, dude, let's do that. One of the things that we're trying to do on sales appreciate is like have more personal socials. And that always leads to virality. Like mm-hmm. our product is very much in a viral situation. So let's have a weekly catch up podcast meet because what we have now is we have multi presenter. So you and I can go into a split screen performance for all the tots in the appreciate social. This is the evolution of our podcast. This is what it's going to turn into. We're, we're, we're going to move from podcast to seminars. And we're gonna <laughs> and we're gonna host a virtual platform. Dianetics. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna rope them in so you guys will finally like be pressured into doing a QA rather than us asking you to ask us questions on Twitter. Let me let me paint the picture. Yeah. What we'll do is instead of the Wednesday podcast one night, what we'll do is we can set up a link and anybody that wants to come can come and we'll tweet it out. We'll send it to our email list. Yeah. And we'll send a meeting invitation. All you need is a desktop or a laptop with access to the latest version of Chrome, Safari, or Edge. You'll grab the link. You'll plug it into your browser. You're going to enter your first name. And then you'll enter the social room. Because How, how cool would it be for us to be the main speakers of this, of this right? And I'm telling you about my upcoming trip to Vegas and and then we can give people a chance to speak up and like, hey, you should check out this place and this place. And then we go back into our funny stories or we come back and I'm telling you all these um, uh, events that happened to me in Vegas, like the Thai massage. And it's like, what's what's one of the things that happened to you guys? And we can open the floor and people can give us stories about what happened to them in Vegas or on one of their trips or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And then we get back into the funnies and... Uh, well, I mean, it, it would be a meet and greet virtually mm, where I'm we could literally this. have sidebar conversations. If Buff and Abroad yeah. wanted to come, we could take yeah. him aside and tell him how he's impacted us. And then we mm-hmm. could go back into performance mode and address yeah. everybody all at once. Like it's a free for all. It's like attending a networking event online. We should schedule this for this well, week. I'm serious. And, and, you, and in all honesty, if we ever like I know we're kind of spitballing here and everything, but if if I'm talking about this in real time and where my head's going at. It, it would be a lot more manageable to be able to just hop online wherever I am and and we talk rather than, you know, making that commute to Dallas every week. You know what I'm saying? I do because uh, this was one of the narratives that I was talking about with um, my parents. You mm-hmm. know, I, I talk to my parents about the show sometimes because they're fellow podcasters yeah. over at Confessions of a Recovering Landlord dot com. They've got they they've really. Uh, their episodes range in um, um, length, but they've really nailed this whole like 10, 12 minute podcast format where mm-hmm. I really enjoy them because it's kind of like a brisk walk around the neighborhood and you yeah. get a couple nuggets of information, a new perspective and uh, a link to follow up on something. 
you know, that was pertinent to your whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was saying with them is that you and I had been talking like, hey, this is going to end at some point. What does that look like? And what would I do after that? Yeah. And my mom was talking about, you know, the podcast and all of this stuff. And I was making the comment. I don't know if it's necessarily an, an RSS feed or a podcast feed mm-hmm. to iTunes that is the next wave. Like, do I have a clubhouse room? Yeah. You know, do I? Heston uh, gave me an invite to clubhouse. I've been trying to navigate it. Um, I, I, you know, talking with him and he's made some recent posts on or tweets on Twitter saying that he prefers Twitter rather than clubhouse. And I agree with him to some extent because it's like, you have to be free and available for whenever people have their room open in order to hear them speak and different things like that. Um, I haven't been navigating it as much, but I'd like to, um, but yeah, if we were able to send some invites out and have people join us in a clubhouse and we give them enough time to prep for it, like how many people would be joining that, you know, that'd be, that'd be pretty special. I don't know. You know, we definitely accrue listens. Um, we, we get listens. We had five new listens on this last yeah. episode within the last couple of days, you know, like it, yeah, it just surprises me that, you know, some people go quiet for a while and then all of a sudden I'll get a text like, Hey, like really love that episode. And, um, I, I think we do have some retention there, which is appreciated. And if we could, uh, cultivate that group even further and make it more relational, like that could be something pretty special. Yeah. But that whole uh, fragmentation of, you know, Clubhouse is live podcasts. Yeah. It's like live ephemera. It's Snapchat for podcasts. Mm-hmm. And um, Twitter, like, spa- I don't know if Heston was referring to just Twitter main product or spaces, but have you been in a space? Uh, I've seen people in there and then, like, I don't know them well enough to to want to join it. I've joined um, one or two to check out like the UX and the UI, like just see what, what it does that look like? Are you just an observer or like, yeah, can you chime in at any time. So you can, I think on one or both of these platforms, you could like request to speak. And then based on your proximity to the host mm-hmm. or the speaker, maybe they would admit you. I, I don't quite understand with clubhouse. Like sometimes I'll get in and I'll see like there's 68 speakers yeah, and I'm like, okay. And they're talking over each other and, mm-hmm. um, just the cons- the B2C consumer nature of Clubhouse with, like, I see every type of population and they're talking about, is he cheating on you? <laughs> All the way to, like, Crypto 101, Dogecoin, like, yeah. you know, my, Joe, Joe Rogan and Naval are in the same room. Yeah, my standout um, room that I've joined on Clubhouse was a bunch of hip-hop heads and other, like, prominent rappers and stuff. They were going down their list of least favorite rappers, and that was pretty enjoyable. I'll bet. Um, Iggy Azalea came up. <laughs> um, uh, oh, yeah, a few, a few of the Lils. Um, yeah, but it was pretty funny. Anyway, so I, I don't know what I had commented to my parents is just that they're whether or not you open up your smartphone and open up the podcasts app and hear my voice expressing something that makes me feel like I've purged or something like that. You know, it's therapeutic for me. Um, or whether you just opened your YouTube app and there was a live video of me doing that, mm-hmm. or maybe it was a Twitter spaces or, you know, it, yeah. 
I'm not really sure that the format matters as much. Um, and they're not as long as it's easily accessible. I, you know, I've long been resistant to taking this podcast virtual because we could have been doing the whole split screen zoom record this entire time and actually producing video content, mm -hmm. which, you know, for better or worse, uh, that being said, maybe that is like something that we do a time or two, uh, in yeah. experimentation as we head towards the winding down of this show. Yeah. Um, yeah, the gentle, the gentle, <laughs> good, good night. Um, and I know, you know, you talked about your mom and, and, uh, how she's been ready for us to be podcasting more. And I, I've been talking with my mom and I know that I think they'd both be devastated if we just upended everything and never produced any more content. So, um, I, I think it's worth looking into as, as far as what we can continue creating and what would be easier on us and, and still, you know, maintain our creativity because you know we we get on here and we always talk about how meaningful this thing is to us um but if we could make it easier on ourselves and still be able to provide some of our insight and and just be able to come together and share some of our thoughts i, I think it's worth looking into you know what you're right like i don't we're calling it off folks this show's <laughs> not over <laughs> i mean if we're willing to go the virtual route then basically if we're quitting the show we're basically just saying that we don't really want to talk anymore <laughs> like <laughs> no i mean we'll see what happens in the future yeah. but i i do want to experiment with some of these more interactive formats that mm -hmm. we could engage with these tots and bots um actually no bots in my appreciate yeah. social room please right but yeah. let's let's seriously schedule that mm -hmm. yeah. for real because i know that we could have 50 people show up to that yeah. that would be awesome charging a mission fee. i'd love to meet heather your dentist just, just like kidding. Your, uh, <laughs> or is she your cardiologist? Um, yeah, she's all of them. I would love it if uh, Isaac could come and <laughs> dude, I haven't talked to him since he graduated. Love to see that. He's bot. living his best. He's living his best life. I'm living my best life. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't going uh, back and forth with you, Isaac. Yeah, yeah but I, that'd be that. Like I said, something worth looking into. All right, dude. Yeah. Uh, you, you've referenced a couple of the larger topics that you want to discuss. Why don't you? Yeah, man. Let's talk stock forward. stock market, bro. Bro, like I'm just illiterate on this stuff. So educate me. What's I, going on? You know, I back whenever the whole GameStop craze was going on, there was like, you know, there was like a second tier in which people were buying into companies like BlackBerry, Nokia, <laughs> um, AMC. I decided to get on on AMC. Unfortunately, I got in <laughs> on not not the peak, but near it. Okay, so I put in a little chunk of money, and uh, the next day, a chunk like, of change. Next day, it drops, and uh, um, and you know, I I decided not to sell or anything because I'm like, well, I've already lost so much money. I might as well wait and see if this thing can kick it uh, itself back into gear. Um, so while I was on my trip, I, I, I get on the old Robin hood that I'm still using, even though a lot of people are hating <laughs> on Robin hood still, which I get it. But I wonder I, if, uh, I wonder if trades are down on Robin hood. I haven't looked into that data I, at all. I honestly haven't either, but, um, I'm still using it. So I'm sure a lot of people still have my mentality. Like a lot of us just got in, you know, I didn't just get into stocks whenever the GameStop 
craze was happening. I had been on for about a year and we had talked about it on the podcast, but I did try to cash in on the frenzy with the AMC. Anyway, um, it boosted one of the days that we were on our trip and I ended up selling it, made a profit of 30 bucks. And uh, now it's lower. And I'm glad I did because now the price is lower than when I had initially bought it. So I'll probably buy back in um, on that eventually. But the thing that I do want to talk about, which I don't think I talked about, what's up? So I Googled this. It's Saturday, March 27, yeah. folks. Uh, three days ago, first uh, first big news article from the AP, Robinhood files plan to go public. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? They're going to cash in on their $40 own. billion dollar IPO. Yeah, I saw that. So I guess they're doing okay. Yeah, they must be. <laughs> I'm like Googling it. Yeah. Are trades done on Robinhood? They're like, yeah. IPO. <laughs> right. Which I don't understand how a I don't understand how that works, I guess. Be- what do you, what because do you mean? they're they're providing a place for you to purchase stocks, but now they're now you can purchase stocks in into their company. I, I well, don't know. I, I'm ignorant. It, it's a company. Like yeah. it, it's I, a business. So sure. In the same way that you can purchase stocks in other companies, you know, you can purchase stock in in Robinhood. And so up until this point, it's been all, you know, private, private equity yeah. type money, venture capital money that's been infused into Robinhood. But whenever you go for like a big, big, big raise and you're ready to like offer it to the public mm-hmm. and then go with the transparency of being on a publicly traded, you know, uh, stock exchange. Sure. Yeah, but I'm not I don't claim to be really formidable with my knowledge about the sea there honestly. Yeah. Like sometimes the whole money I, I don't really feel like I understand money for real for real. I don't either. And we I talked about my ignorance whenever it came to crypto uh last episode, but I do want to talk a little like I've been trying to educate myself more and uh I don't think I even mentioned last podcast, but do you know what nfts are did we talk about that last time no i i I don't know what those are non-fungible tokens okay that's what it stands for if a currency is fungible that means like i have a dollar you have a dollar we trade that dollar to each other and we still own the same amount of money right Mm -hmm. like those equal each other same with a bitcoin like i own a bitcoin you own a bitcoin we exchange those, we still have the same amount of money. A non-fungible token uh, can be considered currency, but like whatever I own does not equal whatever non-NFT you own, okay? So the way, the biggest way to buy NFTs right now is using Ethereum, which is another cryptocurrency. And that's something that I have invested in already. I learned about NFTs through the band Kings of Leon. I saw them trending on Twitter. Um, You guys know that song, Use Somebody. That's one of their most popular ones. Um, They decided to sell their album as an NFT, which is really interesting because now that they've done this, if you own the NFT and you decide to resell it, then they can continue making a profit off of every time their product is resold to someone else. Like they make a cut of it. You can also do this with with concert tickets, which is incredible because it's like basically eliminating scalpers. It's like it, you can set a limit on on how high your NFT can be sold. 
Like, so if I don't want anybody ever selling this for more than a hundred bucks, it can't be. And no matter what, I'm going to make a cut off of it. So if somebody's interested in a concert ticket and I'm selling it as an NFT instead of a regular ticket, you make that purchase and you try to scalp it to somebody else. Well, no matter what, since I'm the creator, I can make a profit off of that too. Every time it changes hands, which is awesome to me. It, it, it's what awesome. The what? Like, Yo, it, it's, is this it's a Christopher crazy. Nolan movie? Like what, what is going on? That's what I'm saying. And people are selling NFT. They're, the biggest thing that's happening right now is artwork. Like people are creating digital artwork. And if you have quote unquote, or an original copy, like it's not a screenshot, but um, you actually bought it from the content creator. Like these things, some of these things are going for millions of dollars or sorry, not dollars, millions of Ethereum, which uh, I think it's like, I think Ethereum right now is like 1600 something dollars per Ethereum, per piece of Ethereum, I guess. I don't know. Um, it's, it's crypto's going insane. But anyway, I own the Kings of Leon NFT album. And I feel like it could be worth something someday because it's, I believe it's one of the first, if not the first album that's ever been sold as an NFT. And I own one of them. And they, so what you does it even mean? What, what so did you get? You, you can. How'd you get I, the album? Uh, I purchased Ethereum and then I used that Ethereum to purchase the album. Where? Um, there, the album was being sold on this website called Yellow Heart. And um, then you can kind of transfer some of your coins into that website and then purchase the album. And another cool thing is like, Whatever content I create, I can make one of them. I can make a hundred. I can I can make it like a special edition, and only this amount of people can own it. Or I can set a time limit, like forty eight hours, and as many people as possible that wants this thing can purchase it within forty eight hours. But after those forty eight hours, it goes away, and nobody else can purchase it. I I don't know why we're talking about sunsetting the podcast or our content creation partnership here together when you're just getting dangerous at selling this ish online with NFTs and gummy bears and whatever else is going on. Like, right. Dude, you need uh, to uh, what's his name? Jack, Jack that owns yeah. Twitter. He sold his first tweet for like millions of dollars. Uh, yeah. That what, makes what does zero, that mean? Right. What does it mean? It's just, ex, uh, who knows? What, what's internet? <laughs> yeah. Who knows what it means, but the future is now, grandpa. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. It doesn't matter. Just create something, upload it and try to sell it. Who cares what it means at this point? We need to get on, get in on this craze. But what is delivered? What do you mean? What's delivered? The content? Like, so how did you get your music? Did it send it somewhere? Like, yeah, I own it. They're shipping me a limited edition vinyl, so I'll have like a physical. Okay. Uh, thing. How do you, uh, digitally? How do you own it? Uh, digitally, you have like a, a an NFT wallet, like basically where you can show off. There's different websites that you can sign up for where it shows off your NFT collection and everything that you own. So your Kings of Leon album is in your NFT gallery. Yeah. Because it's it's and it's the, the NF- only thing that I own. So it's I'd... the NFT. Yeah. So okay, so NFT is not a currency. It can be used as a currency because you can resell the Kings of Leon right. album. Yes. And I can sell that. Who would you sell that to? Whoever is interested. Oh. An- another thing that we can talk about is how did you get all this information? Twitter. 
I literally, I literally was on my, on a, on a, my free period at school. I get on Kings of Leon's trending. I'm like, okay, they have a new album. And then it's like, no, this is a bigger deal. And I'm seeing, um, how they're like the first band that's fully committed to this NFT. I'm seeing artists like Sean Mendez and a few other people like Sean Mendez is a big name right now, a huge pop star. And he's going this route as well. There's different tiers. And if you spend this much Ethereum, you can get a higher level tier. And that means that, like if a content creator decides to give you tickets for life, like for their concerts, you can do that. And so people have like purchased like not, I mean, it's not just season tickets, but like lifetime tickets to attend these concerts be, uh, because they paid for this certain tier. Um, so I learned about it through Twitter and I did a, I tried to brush up on it as quick as I could. I downloaded these different apps like Coinbase and um, a few other things and uh, transferred some of my Ethereum into this, purchased the album and i um, waiting, waiting to get my vinyl and I do own the album digitally as an, as a NFT. That's so wild, man. I'm, I commend you on your curiosity. Like, yeah, you have a better ability than I do to see something on Twitter and go down the rabbit hole and then, you know, have a pretty firm command of what's actually occurring. I'm trying um, to. What, what is, what, what's been driving towards all of this, um, uh, increased capacity for financial maturity and like i mean you're investing you've got this portfolio now mm -hmm. you're downloading the apps like what is this fiscal maturity or awareness like what is your goal here My and and how did this start okay so we can tug at a few different threads right now one of them being i am very comfortable and okay with my line of work being a teacher at a small private school in Keene, Texas. And I can see myself teaching for the rest of my life, regardless of, you know, I, I can get my master's, which I'm working on. I'm registering for my, for this summer's classes sometime this week. Um, I understand that in this line of work, eventually it can't be about the money because I'm going to hit a ceiling. Uh, I would like the opportunity to you know we've talked with heston and we've talked uh, a few other uh, to a few other people and we've even talked about it ourselves how we want our money to make us money while we're sleeping right um i can't do that just teaching and you know i i'm starting a family i have some money to play around with and how cool would it be to jump in on one of these things uh, you know, how cool would it have been to have bought a Bitcoin at a hundred dollars and to have all that money now, you get what I'm saying? A hundred percent. So I, I'm not saying this is going to be around forever, I, but I would like to be at the, the, you know, be before this thing really explodes, like I'm trying to get in on a GameStop experience like i and i understand some of this doesn't happen overnight like i know a lot of people who have been investing in um different stocks for a long time they kind of smirk or uh, look down on people who are just trying to make quick cash so i'm not doing that i've also i think i have talked about this but i've invested in like electric car uh charging stations like the company blink because you know a different car companies are talking about how they'll switch 
to fully electric cars in the next 15 years or something like that. So I'm, I'm trying to play the long game whenever it comes to that. But I'm also trying to make some quick cash. You have different categories of, of risk that you're taking. Right. And some of them are, are longer term, you know, investments. And then some of them are maybe um, shorter term mm -hmm. quick cash grabs that could pan out. But I'm, I'm sure that you're allocating a ratio of your investments to those shorter term gain situations yeah. and handling that appropriately. I guess my bigger, my bigger point of feedback that I've been making through this is like, so your, your, um, uh, your sustenance from teaching, teaching is your passion, yeah. your livelihood to a certain extent. It is your, it is your job and your calling, but you are willing to go outside of that to, because you have greater financial sure. aspirations or desires yeah, for security. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Like myself and my fiance, we will always be able to live comfortably. We, we will have the luxury of being able to take trips and do all of these fun things. Um, but why not push for more? Mm -hmm. You know? But when did this start? Because um, I've really noticed it verbally crop up with some of the... Well, yeah. you know, several... I mean, maybe it's almost been a year by now whenever I first got into Robin Hood. Um, and, and, you know, we were talking about that and I asked Heston to, you know, DM me and he, he sent me some information on that, which was really helpful. And so it's kind of always been in the back of my mind. But whenever I saw this NFT thing pop up and I'm like, oh, I really could get in on the ground floor on some of this and... Um, and and potentially make like a huge profit like that's kind of exciting and so i've just i i won't say that in all aspects i've been looking down like an incredible amount of avenues and and, and doing all that and i still don't have a firm grasp or understanding on on what i'm investing in but nobody that invested in a future like decacorn or unicorn did in yeah. some ways like i also think that this story is really powerful and interesting because your creative passions and niche followings like might have netted you early access to something that was about to blow up in a yeah. more earnest way. Like your well, your if you go on music Twitter and if, like Yeah. If you go back to the episodes where I'm talking about Joe Budden and how he's moving from Spotify to uh SoundCloud and Apple and and all of this, um, because he's a content creator and he's wanting what he thinks his episodes are worth. And I'm seeing other artists that are doing that too. NFT is all about the content creator and making sure that they get a slice of the pie and, and not just these streaming services, bleeding these artists dry. Um, and, and it's so much bigger than music, but I found this pathway through music. I'm not a huge Kings of Leon fan, but I'm, you know, their music's enjoyable. I listened to their new album, on Apple music. And I'm like, this is something that I think is really cool. I, I am. a. I, I, I thought you it. listened to your NFT. Well, that too, but their album is on streaming services, but I own, I own a tier that sent me a physical. What's up? Did they email you a zip file with the actual music or like what, what happened? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, they did. Yeah. They emailed you a zip file. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Well that, yeah. And then you, they also came out with like digital artwork that like the image kind of changes and glows and different thing like that. And it's really like collector's items. If you, I, I want to get into this, uh, I can't remember exactly what they're called, um, but you know, trading cards, like people collect baseball yeah. cards and everything like that. Um, it, it's wild. Pokemon we... cards. They have digital 
yeah. sports trading cards now that go for millions of dollars. And it's kind of the same idea. It's just in the trading card world. Is, is it a PDF? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think it's a PDF. I'm. St- I still just don't quite understand how. The thing with Bitcoin, even that I don't understand, is um, if there's like this digital ledger in the cloud or blockchain based or whatever that means. Like, why is it that there are certain laptops that have forty billion dollars worth of Bitcoin on them, and you can't get them from anywhere else? Like, you can't log into your account or something like. So it's it, everybody wants. There's the, there so many dudes listening to this podcast right now that are like slapping their foreheads, and they're like, "Carson is afflicted and, on this." And stuff. that's well, and. I don't pretend to know the answer and I'm, and I would love to hear any, like Brock has kind of been a mentor to me through some of this as well. I buffing abroad, you know, I've, I've been texting him and he is the one that got me in on Ethereum. And so I already owned Ethereum whenever these NFTs came about and I'm like, Oh, I already have some that I can spend. And so I, and I used um, some of what I already had. I replaced my Ethereum on Robinhood. And so I'm back to what I already had originally owned. And um, yeah, he, he's been guiding me through that. So I'm sure somebody can explain this a lot better than I can because um, I, I'm, I'm still researching and trying to learn through all of this. All right. Our first Clubhouse Weekly Catch-Up Podcast presents Buffin Abroad and Heston on Crypto yeah. Ethereum. I'm, I'm going to... Okay, so... Go ahead. Well, I've already explained the definition of an NFT, and so I did find this article. This is something that I read before purchasing because you know I wanted to make sure this was a legitimate thing and everything. So I'm just going to kind of read, and maybe that'll help explain a little bit more. But it says, at a very high level, most NFTs are part of the Ethereum blockchain. Ethereum is a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or Dogecoin, but its blockchain also supports these NFTs, which store extra information that makes them work differently from, say, an Ethereum coin. It's worth noting that other blockchains can implement their own versions of NFTs. So what's worth picking up in the supermarket? Uh, NFTs can be anything digital, such as drawings, music, your brain downloaded and turned into an AI. But a lot of the current excitement is around using the tech to sell digital art. Um, you, so it says, you mean like people buying my good tweets? It says, I don't think anyone can stop you, but that's not really what I mean. A lot of the conversation is about NFTs as an evolution of fine art collecting, only with digital art. Um, it says, uh, do people really think this will become like art collecting? I'm sure some people really hope so, like whoever paid almost $390,000 for a 50-second video by Grimes, or the person who paid $6.6 million for a video by this person named Beeple. <laughs> um, so, yeah, digital art. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's really like collectors. Like you see a lot of people collecting physical shoes. And I think the argument here is that it's not physical. It's something digital. So what makes that valuable? Why can't I have? But if you're an actual collector and you take that seriously, you're always going to find value in owning something original. So people can make copies of it but they will never have the original and you have an authentic receipt in the blockchain that shows your ownership. And that's what makes it valuable. But if you don't view something digital as uh, property or anything like that, then you're not going to find value in it anyway. And that this conversation's 
really not for you. And you probably think it's stupid. This isn't your particular investment strategy um, for your nest egg, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah no, I, I appreciate the education. Uh, mm-hmm. It's wild. It's exciting. And I, as from, again, from the music standpoint, I love that it's, it's trying to eliminate scalpers and different things like that. Like whenever I'm trying to go to a concert and I get in on it late, and somebody's like trying to price gouge me for $300 for a $25 ticket. Um, I love that it could potentially put an end to that as well. And that the artist gets a percentage of every time it changes hands. That part is very wild. Yeah. The reseller stuff. Um, wow, man. Okay. So are you good on NFTs? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I feel like you've purged. Uh, I know that was like, I see why you wanted to share that now, but I'm still struck by the fact that your um, creative direction, like an interests could have netted you early access to something. Like Mm -hmm. maybe you got wind of something as it was, you know, just starting to pick up steam for instance. So that's wild. Keep me updated on that. We'll do. Um, What else do you have? Um, (laughs) You have some stuff. Oh yeah. Okay. I just knew that you had a couple topics that you were wanting to. Yeah, let me throw you off for a sec. Um, <laughs> let's see. Because I started here. on track, folks. Yeah. Folks. Would you rather be in a tank of snakes or a box of bees? Probably a box of bees. You think so? Yeah. Like, just like if you stand still, maybe they won't sting you? Or what, what's your thought process here? Just that. Uh, you more afraid of snakes? Yeah, than anything. Like, okay. so. That's fair. I think I would join you in that. I'll take a couple, st- like I'm not allergic to bee-, bee stings, so I think I'd be fine. But snakes, that would be terrifying. Yeah, snakes are a no-go for me. Yeah. Um, would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Wait, wait, wait. 100 duck-sized horses? Yeah, so like little tiny horses running at so you? So I could just kick them? <laughs> or, yeah, right. Or one horse-sized duck. Bro, obviously the, the little the little horses like yeah, yeah, yeah. dude Puntle. you've heard about my experience with birds and ducks and well, all this i stuff. saved the best one for last we'll oh, oh. Yeah. okay a horse-sized duck is the most terrifying thing i've ever heard of i'd rather be <laughs> in a snake pit than have a horse-sized <laughs> duck chasing me that's fair, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. oh my goodness yeah. okay and okay maybe it's my avatar and like i put my freaking like ponytail into it and like yeah. connect with it and ride it okay. <laughs> so i, I want to ask you this final one that i have what <laughs> would you rather have all dogs or all birds attack you every time they saw you so we know that birds typically attack you but if you could change it to dogs would you or would you rather continue being attacked by birds you're saying at any opportunity at that- any opportunity that a dog caught a glimpse of you or a bird caught a glimpse of you, it would attack you. <laughs> which which one would you choose? Man, I'm just gonna kill myself in that situation because <laughs> life would be untenable. I couldn't walk outside. I mean, you couldn't walk into the elevator if somebody was walking their dog. Like, yeah. Oh, elevator. But most true. of the dogs will be on leashes in the little bougie neighborhood I live in. So sure. there'll be some little Bichon Frise or whatever, like. Yeah labradoodle that's on a leash and the owner would be mortified if it got off the leash and attacked me well, they wouldn't whereas the birds are everywhere all the time you don't necessarily see those little but they see you but they see you and they come for think you. about so driving in your car and they i catch would a glimpse choose of you through the window and they exactly. like dive bomb at you dude you are freaking me out like <laughs> i'm picturing planet of the apes and they're birds like <laughs> okay um, but I would take, I would rather be attacked by dogs in that situation. I don't know. You have already survived bird attacks. I don't getting mauled by a dog. 
well, like whenever you brought up the elevator dude, one, I think that's what changed my thoughts on it. A dog it, is on foot, though, unless listen, if I'm not on a back road and there's a bunch of wild dogs like chasing after me, it's over. <laughs> but in the neighborhood that I'm in, if I had to maintain a lifestyle of walking to the grocery store, walking to work, mm-hmm. like going to dinner, my chances of birds being somewhere in that like they're always in the air. Yeah. They're always in the trees. There's so many birds that and nobody has a bird on a leash. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's my whole point is that the dogs are not wild. The yeah. dogs are kept and they're on leashes for the most part. And the owner is responsible for their behavior. I could sue the owner if I'm attacked by their dog. Uh, I can't sue anybody if a bird does something to me. Yeah. And a bird is going to be untoward and it's not going to be cool. So right. in this scenario, all of these are not preferential. Yeah, no, you know? that's the point of I love these though. would you rathers. Like, all mine are like so inappropriate. Yeah, I feel I, like, I, I, yeah. <laughs> but I, so would you rather, um, would you rather, I'm going to do some for you now. Okay. Let me think about it. That's fair. Th- this went better. Um, th- well, this went actually exactly how I wanted it to go. I'm, I'm glad we could. I'm glad for you. Get into your to your psyche and how to you to my psyche. Yeah. You want to go further? Sure. Duck sized horses and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Horse sized ducks. Yeah. <laughs> that one really threw me for a loop for I a know. second. It was crazy when I read it. Uh yeah, that that's that's my most I'll dream about that tonight. Yeah. I'll be like, no, and I'll just be all thrown off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I want to hear more about your topics. I got one joke for you. Well, I feel like I feel like the topic that I was gonna go into was like like violent. Um, that's that's oh let's do the joke okay um how does a dude from the midwest pick up a girl (laughs) a tractor (laughs) (laughs) isn't that good a student a student told me that one that week uh this past week i thought it was pretty good a tractor I liked how Elon tweeted out this week. He's like, if I ever have a scandal, can we please call it Elongate? (laughs) (laughs) That's good, too. Oh, man. All right. I guess we're getting violent. Man, I I just, I don't know where we'll go with it, per se. But, um, you know, it's interesting. You made a comment earlier about uh, mask laws and guidelines kind of changing in some areas. And I typically find myself to be the only person in the room with a mask mm-hmm. at first, if that's, you know, what I thought I was walking into, but we'll take it off if, if that's the scenario. Um, but as we start to have bigger gatherings in, especially in more open States, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what we've had three of in the last week. What's that? Is like pretty, pretty decent sized mass shootings. Yes. Like I think that there was another one, overnight in the wee hours of this early morning in Virginia beach, Mm -hmm. uh, two people are dead and at least eight injured after shootings near the ocean front in Virginia beach, Virginia. Um, you know, somebody also did not enjoy their Thai massage, uh, over in Atlanta and shot up, I think multiple massage parlors. I think that there's tangents that we could go on in that area. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there was another one too. I thought, uh, I believe so. Was there another one in Colorado? Oh, there was, dude. That one was horrifying. There was yeah. just like a shots fired at a, a grocery store, mm-hmm. and an officer entered and was the last person killed in this yeah. massacre that killed like ten people. Lo- uh, 
father of seven, leaves behind seven children. So I find that interesting. Um, I saw Ben Shapiro was having a hot take on, you know, mainstream media Mm -hmm. picking up on this. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to be the person that uh, advocates for just sweeping gun control in in a particular way. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, it's just crazy that the first mass shootings were so down. Car wrecks were down. Did uh, did you listen to Dave Chappelle? No. Uh, Dave, uh, several months ago, Dave Chappelle, he, he was given one of his performances at his property and he was saying like the best thing that has come from COVID is, you know, no more mass shootings. It hasn't been happening. Like, uh, all these, all these deaths, as far as that goes, like intentional murders are, are down. And he was just saying how, um, you know, he hopes they stay down and obviously, uh, with more people, with more gatherings happening, it's it's spiked back up. It's wild to think. I remember being struck by that when I was at Mandalay Bay in December. At one point, I was thinking like, oh, I looked across the street and there was a huge mm-hmm. parking lot. And I, I remember I, we kept looking at it. And I remember thinking to myself, that's where that country concert was. We're like, yeah. however, I mean, that was like the most deadly mass shooting in history or something, right? Uh, so, yeah, maybe. So I don't even know if that room is available, but I, I just thought about that and how how quickly we move on because some people wouldn't even want to stay there. They'd be so horrified mm-hmm. by that experience. And it's also interesting that it's such a big country with so many people and so many different pockets. And, you know, if you're not watching CNN or Fox News or, you know, seeing the, the front page and you're only on, you know, an NFT oriented channel on Twitter or Tumble, whatever's going on. You miss that 10 people were killed in Boulder, you know, 10 people were shot in Atlanta, you know, this many people were shot in Virginia Beach Mm -hmm. and the people that are around that bear witness to it. And it's just, it's interesting how we all glean different experiences in the same time span. Yeah. I know that's one of the most basic concepts, but sometimes when I strip it down to the base essentials, it's so weird. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying, as far as like gun laws and everything, I don't know what needs to happen, but clearly... You know, you always hear these speeches like, this isn't who we are as Americans. And it's like, maybe it is. I mean, it, ha- it seems to be happening more often than not. There, There's clearly an issue that needs to be addressed. I don't know what that looks like, but. This was one area where, you know, I think this was a rational argument, but Ben Shapiro did, did kind of make a little bit of sense to me. He's like, you know, you can say that, oh, this is who we are as Americans. But he's like, that's not how I was yesterday. That's not how 330 million other Americans were. There was 330 million Americans that got up, you know, went to work, went to school, had family dinner, went to bed, mm-hmm. didn't load up an AK. They, they, there's 300 million guns in the U.S. and there's over 100 million long guns. And, you know, only one was used for that particular incident that day. Sure. And American or not American, I'm so sick of all of that kind of divide. This comes down to like mental illness and community and people Mm -hmm. that are angry. And I personally think that, you know, we're all born uh, sinful to a certain extent with the propensity to sin and be selfish. And, you know, we, through nature and nurture, you hope that we go down the right path and have a Mm -hmm. firm foundation for decision-making and morals. Um, But there are just bad apples that don't, they get a genetic roll of the dice. They saw trauma at an early age. And, you know, we're really just brain sponges that absorb and mimic like we're actors Mm -hmm. and if you 
I, I could create the perfect breeding ground to raise a little criminal in, you yeah. know, if I wanted to set up, you know, some sort of stagnant, uh, that, yeah. you know, uh, for a life. So I think that there's going to be a certain percentage of the population that's just bad like that. Yeah. And as we but, scale numbers, like in 1920, we had a billion and a half people and now we have 7 billion, seven and a half billion, a hundred years later yeah. with the rapid explosion in population and urban centers. Um, and people are falling through the cracks. There are babies that are not taken care of and people that grow up in bad systems. And, mm -hmm. um, a lot of this homegrown terror that they refer to are, um, incels, mm -hmm. involuntary celibates, guys that, um, feel like losers. They're not contributing to society. Uh, they are typically white and loners and virgins and angry and angry at women. Um, that, that leads us to the massage parlor one. Like yeah. everyone is, you know, trying to say that it's, it's hate against Asian Americans. And of course on its face, like he murdered a bunch of Asian Americans, like it's yeah. hate against Asian Americans, hundred percent, uh, whether or not it was a hundred percent wholly inspired by racial hate, um, and division. Uh, I think it had more to do with the sex addiction, yeah. you know, and, and mainstream media was refuting that, you know, statement by, I think it was the lead prosecutor or investigator had come out and said something like, we're not really sure if this is like a hate crime per se yet. Yeah. And everybody was up in arms about that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I, that did happen while we were on our trip. And so I do remember seeing it trending and I haven't looked much into it. Um, so I don't have many thoughts on it. I will say, you know, after hearing your thoughts on it, I could even retract my statement or flip my side and join you in on that and saying like, okay, maybe this isn't who we are as Americans, but clearly there is a handful of people who do go out and attack or kill innocent people like you and me. So my question would be, do we just, uh, you know what makes do, us do American? we just lick our wounds and, and just be like, okay, this is something that happens and we have to put up with it every once in a while. What, what makes us Americans is the fact that we collectively, whether we're Democrat, Republican, libertarian, whatever you are, whatever your stance on guns is, um, whether you don't have any, or you have a whole arsenal, you know, we all come out with common disgust for the behavior mm -hmm. and utter rejection. Like we will not stand for that. You know, all of that stuff. Um, our, reaction our diagnosis of the problem and how we would maybe treat the problem that's where we have the prerogative as americans to disagree and it's a beautiful system that we can come out and globally condemn something uh whether we own guns or not mm -hmm. and so yeah that, that that's my perspective on that aspect do we just i guess that we're the people that want a, a treatment plan and a plan of action and to take action um i think that if that if this has hit anywhere close to home for you how could you not feel that way? Yeah. You know, the, I, the activists from Parkland and all that, that get so much flack from the right sometimes, like, you know, imagine what their experience has been and what they've been through. It's pretty easy to get behind their standpoint. Sure. Um, what they don't understand sometimes is that criminals will always find a way to get guns. Mm -hmm. Whenever you take away the ability for common citizens to have, you know, the right to bear arms, Criminals are already trafficking guns that we're not supposed to have as it is. Yeah. You know, the cartel and the cartel members in the U.S. have like machine gun caliber stuff that they shouldn't have access to. 
but they always will because they're not going to Roy's gun shop, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to produce legal documentation to get it. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> they're, they're coming across the border and in Chicago, they're coming across from Illinois all the time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so that's why it, it, it's almost interesting that we have different gun restrictions per, per state yeah. in a certain way when we're all one unified country. Um, that, that's always a little bit of a, a weirdness, but I'm sure that there's good reasons in some ways that you could talk yeah. to me about. But yeah, uh, the only thing I, I would see the the beauty in being able to decide per state, it's like, well, if you don't agree with it, there's other places within the United States where you can go where, you know, your uh, your beliefs are 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 upheld. That that's scary though when we start talking about you know, I'm all for states' rights and everything, but at the same time, it's the United States of America and you would like for you would like for most most aspects of your decision on where to live be based on well, where'd you grow up, where do you like, the topography, the culture, the food, like normal stuff like that and not necessarily like well texas allows beheadings and over in colorado they're a little bit more pc so you can't throw somebody that's gay off of a a roof you know like what if we got to that point and became warring with each other yeah i can i can envision that happening with uh women's rights as far as you know abortions or gay rights or you know a, a whole a whole thing that divides all all the left and right wingers you know i think that in terms of a, a reaction or a treatment plan, uh, I don't think that you should have like a lot of gun control uh, to a certain extent. Like I think that everybody should have the right to bear arms. And um, so that that's that. The common Republican response is like better community, more fellowship, like better mental health. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that is going to scale to avoid these situations. Yeah. There's more humans, there's more edge case scenarios, there's more things that could go wrong. As the number of humans increases, you know, the the number of bad things increase, commiserately the number of good things also might increase. You know, like yeah, for it, sure. we're we're flawed we're not just one way or the other. Mm-hmm. We're capable of both. And so the big thing is like acceptance and we we have to accept that we're in a, a world where things occur that we'll never have an explanation to. Yeah. We'll never have closure on. It is what it is. This is the new norm. Mm-hmm. And this is the only moment that you really know will go this way, that you'll have this amount of health, this amount of wealth, whatever it is that you have. It's this moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think we try to make collective sense of something and say, well, this is our, our response to the horrific images that we saw in, mm-hmm. in Boulder, Colorado this morning. And really it's like, you start, you got to be the change that you want to see in the world. You got to be the person that helps the next person. You got to pay it forward, like pay for the person's coffee in the next line mm-hmm. and hope that they do something for somebody. Yeah. And also if you're trying to make sense out of, like not everything always makes sense. It, that that's the you exact know? point yeah. exactly. Yeah. You can't always you can't make sense out of some out of something or somebody's actions if if they didn't have a logical reason to do it. Yeah, man. I just think it's interesting that coming back out of COVID, you're starting to see the first murmurs of bigger gatherings and and different things like that and 
mm-hmm. it's just going to be interesting if this is kind of the narrative moving forward about well the minute people were, were two or three were gathered you know there was a mass shooting yeah um it's it's unfortunate and it, it's a way to further divide us and wedge us against each other and that's not great i agree you want to talk about biden falling down the stairs of air force <laughs> one saw a meme where it was um uh american sniper <laughs> taking a shot so. oh wow yeah i saw trump hitting a tee shot and yeah it, that one too when i first saw the video i thought that it was doctored like i thought that somebody had just made yeah. that for funny i didn't realize it was the real deal and then i was like i felt bad for him i'm like yeah. somebody needs to take care of this poor old man yeah it's yeah no matter which way you slice it we're well, no, nah, I don't want to get negative. I don't know. It, we just deserve so much more as a country. All right, let's go back to your topics. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we did crime and justice, uh, a real justice on this uh, episode. Yeah. Well, let me go to my notes. I don't know if I have any more. Uh, Justin Bieber's new album. Okay. It's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, his music has always been great. Yeah, but like the last one, the Yummy Yum album. Yeah, I didn't love that um, song. Didn't love it. The uh, you know, if, if you're into pop music, uh I think he put out a pretty great album. Boy, that no one. And if you had it all. Yeah, the lonely like, one. My goodness. Yeah. That one. I'm like Justin. Yeah. I felt something in that one. Yeah. Whoa. Did you watch the music video? No, man, I can't. It'll, it'll hit you even in the feels even more. I haven't been able to listen to a sad song in about seven years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't listen as much either. I swear it's either. like Sam Smith has the most beautiful voice. Is it Sam Smith, yeah. the English guy? He always has the most beautiful voice ever. And then I start listening to the lyrics. and I'm like, nope, yeah. can't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I I don't write as much as I used to because, you know, my bag was writing sad stuff and I just I'm just not. You know, in in many circumstances in my life, I'm not uh, as sad or have no reason to even like tap into that. I mean, yeah, like you're so rational and lucid in this moment. We should do more morning podcasts because you're like, yeah, I've just tried to create and foster a culture and atmosphere of love and support so that I don't feel as bad if something sad comes on. I can just appreciate it and it doesn't hit home. Just trying not to crumble, guys, you know. No, <laughs> <laughs> such a straightforward diagnosis no talking about writing though um that's something that i was going to talk to you about this week and just like a an observation even from work that i've had as yeah. things have been so dynamically changing and you almost want to look back and be able to think i i get asked a lot for reference dates like hey do you know when we ship the new version of pricing and i'll say yeah i think it was you know February 20th, because on the 21st, I hit all these people saying X, Y, Z. In documenting quarterly rocks and goals and all of this different stuff, like I've thought about success and failure in personal life. And I'll be honest with you, something that I've struggled with this year as things have gone up and down in my personal life has been the lack of the week over week podcast, Mm -hmm. like the ability to make sense of it all with you. I feel like I can put out a product that leads to fulfillment in my personal life, all of that stuff. And so it's led me to do more introspection. And I stumbled across 
uh, Theo Vaughn on this past weekend, mm -hmm. he had another Jordan Peterson, like two hour long yeah. podcast. And I was like, I was fascinated that Jordan Peterson saw something in Theo Vaughn that he would continue to take an audience, like a repeat audience with him. Cause Theo's like silly, but he's getting more serious yeah. while maintaining his silly vernacular at the same time. Yeah. He's, he's great, but he holds it together. And so I start listening to this podcast and it was, this podcast was a page turner, <laughs> page turner, if you will. Yeah. I couldn't put it down because Theo was expressing things in such a relatable way that was eliciting a response from Jordan Peterson that was so present and so in the moment and so fitting to like where I was at talking about if you don't have personal goals that are written, mm -hmm. you know, they, they've been written down and taken external to your body that external, you, they've gotten off of your mind. You don't have to house them there and bear them as a burden anymore. Mm -hmm. You've purged them. They're on a piece of paper. You can hold yourself accountable to. If you don't have personal goals, you'll never have like a true sense of fulfillment in terms of, of success or failure. You'll never create failures that lead to better learning. Um, you will only, like, you'll just continue to exist and kind of like, well, I'm still yeah, here. you wander around aimlessly. And I realized that maybe throughout my teens and twenties, you know, I was kind of thinking like, well, I'll, I'll figure out what I want to be when I grow up, and we'll take it from there, and you know, I'll, I'll settle into the right career path or mm -hmm. position. Or it was always kind of professionally based because I didn't necessarily have immediate children, family aspirations that are typically the drivers for finding a spouse, purchasing a home, moving that process forward. Without that, I, and I've said this before, like when my work calendar disappears, suddenly I don't have a calendar. Mm -hmm. And that was something that with golf and this podcast and certain things like that, I've gotten better about yeah. over the last couple of years. Um, but I still didn't have any personal written goals with any sort of time span or anything associated with them and just thought like, well, I'll develop those surrounding a partner or children that maybe I'll feel like I'll want in the future, but taking no steps to get to that point. Right. And that was highlighted for me on that podcast with Jordan Peterson. I thought it was fascinating. I highly recommend anybody that's searching or anybody to go listen to that Theo Vaughn this past weekend, Jordan Peterson, episode or appearance number two because yeah. it really spoke to me and it, it's it's creating some change in my life where it's kind of one of those things where so if you're looking for a, let's say that you're looking for a partner but you don't necessarily know if you want children or not mm -hmm. i thought what would the bullet point be and it could be find a partner that is it would give you the peace of mind and and common ground that were you to want children in the future you would feel confident doing that with them. Mm -hmm. Like that could be a goal you know. that, you know, grows into the future. Absolutely. It was kind of something that I had a real great heart to heart with Michael this week. And um, he was talking about just doing postmortems on relationships in your life and um, lives within your life. Mm -hmm. Like one of the things that Die With Zero talks about is that you die several times, like um, throughout your lifetime. And you know, Michael was talking about writing down lists of pros and cons and things that you'd like to recreate in future episodes of your life or, and so all of that goal setting and really writing it down and holding yourself accountable to it and then enjoying the successes and 
learning from the failures is something that I'm trying to employ right now. Yeah. So are you looking to begin creating that list? Have you already started creating that list or? Yeah, I, I don't have the master version ready okay. for review. Um, but, you know, the, the the awareness phase has certainly been accomplished. Sure. Um, I'm currently in the execution phase. Yeah. And I think even with all of my so-called success in being able to sit down for at least 10 or 20 minutes most days to meditate, um, you know, and having X consecutive mindful days under my belt, when I think about, man, the other night I was thinking, tonight I have the opportunity to sit down quietly and not meditate, keep my eyes open and just think. Just think back over the last couple of months, think about what's occurred, you know, where I am in the year. Just, just think. Mm -hmm. Think about my situation. Yeah. Most people are trying to turn off those thoughts, and, but you're actively sitting there and allowing those thoughts to no no no. i've been actively avoiding sitting there and doing oh, that okay. because i'm like i should do that tonight right but that's what i'm saying you you took this moment on this particular night i didn't oh i was not success i couldn't get myself because you know i uh, i got a phone call and then mm -hmm. this happened and i was spending all of my time in quadrant one and i didn't go on do not disturb oh. and not worry about what else was going on in the world sure and um you end up having to schedule time. One of the things that I did in my off time since we last recorded was um, I took a session, my friend Ashley Traggio, formerly of uh, IBM and um, ServiceNow and some big brands has been like chief technical evangelist for some major brands. She's taken a new calling in executive professional business coaching Okay. And I think that she is a natural fit for that. I told her that before I took a session with her. Mm -hmm. um, I would highly recommend that anybody looking for business coaching, you know, consult her. Um, we'll try to put something in the show notes. But she did a session with me where she really, she started by, I don't know if this is confidential or if I'm allowed to say this or what, but she clearly defined what business coaching was and what the relationship looked like and uh, put the onus on me for executing the conversation and, and coming with goals in hand. Yeah. And w one of the things that was exposed in certain ways is that, you know, I think so much in terms of like my goals for the company and the product and the future that I don't think about what my role in those Yourself. goals look like. Like it's mm -hmm. all about, the toddler, yeah. not me as the parent or mm. guardian. I guess if our CEO is the parent, then I'm one of the guardians, yeah. fractional guardian. And I'm just so concerned about that child's development and progression. And really, I'm, I need to be harvesting my own goals for how I can measure maturity gains and mm -hmm. success and efficiency gains in that process. Yeah, And that can be transferred to any Type of, like I, I can look at myself as a teacher. I can look at my lesson plans and be like, oh, this is great. But am I really looking at myself as far as my delivery and, and my own person? And then also like my aspirations do, do I want to continue my education and, and growing myself rather than just the content and my class maybe? Or if we're talking about podcasting, like are we looking at all the bells and whistles that are included in our episodes? Or are we looking at ourselves and like bettering uh, ourselves and coming in across more clearly. Um, is that kind of what you're talking about? Or is that like a different offshoot? 
Wait, uh, what? Go back. Well, we're, we're looking, it's less about looking more at the product and more about looking at yourself and, and making sure that you're growing yourself and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah, exactly. It's, it's like Russian dolls nestled within one another mm-hmm. in this particular business coaching session. When I'm asked about my, I, I felt like I was not able to come up with as many goals per se in certain ways, because I'm not in a corporate environment where I'm like, I just want to make this position or I'm trying to make it to the next tier of management. And I want this, this base and this raise and X, Y, and Z with my stuff. It was like, well, I hope that I can be better at helping shepherd this company to a higher ARR amount that has more venture capital funding Mm -hmm. that makes my stock worth more, you know, like that. And so when we were able to talk about my contributions to things and what my real goals were, she was highly effective is all I'm saying in not providing any level of personal opinion, but extracting out of me what I really wanted. And, um, it, it also contributed to this whole desire for more interest, desire for more introspection, awareness for the need for more introspection Mm -hmm. and documentation of where I'm at and what my goals are going to be because I need to be able to look back at my former gaps and the gains that I made and all that hogwash. So love it. That sounds, that sounds great. Maybe we're just growing. Maybe I'm asking like, why are you more concerned about money now, Brad? Well, maybe because I'm growing up Carson. Like, (laughs) 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 yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm having, I, in, in many ways I am having to grow up and, um, you know, my dad was somebody who I, I looked for, for guidance quite a bit. And now I feel like I'm kind of taking the reins and I may not have his guidance. So I'm having to actively look down, uh, these different avenues and, and what I can get my hands in. And, um, yeah, I don't know. How long has it been? Um, well, January 20. So two months, seven days. Yeah. Two months in a week. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, what's changed if anything in your grief process, what has, have things been added? Have you had time to, um, maybe day by day is getting a little easier, but I still find myself like, you know, we're driving back from Vegas, driving back home. Uh, Courtney's taking a nap and we're passing by and I just have this urge to like call my dad and tell him how the trip went and everything that we got to see. And so I, I'm still dealing, uh, with that as far as my actions and everything, I guess I'm being a little bit more conscientious of, of my relationships and maybe a little bit more of what I'm wanting out of life. Um, I've always been the type of person to, you know, give my friends their flowers while they're here. Like, you know, I, I've never, even before my dad's passing or even before he got sick, uh, you know, I felt like I always did a pretty good job of telling my friends I love them and letting people know that I care about them. So, uh, you know, you hear about people passing and and it making people realize that they should say everything that they want to people before they go. And, um, that's not really an area that I've had to grow in. Cause I feel like I've always made that a purpose of mine. Um, I guess it's really just making me look toward the future. Like 
not just in, okay, I'm about to get married or start a family, but just what does my future look like? Am I going to be teaching for the rest of my life? Whenever I get my master's, does that mean I'm going to take on a principal role or work at the conference or do something to that effect? Um, I don't know, but I am looking down more avenues and um, I just renewed my gym membership and, you know, want to start getting back into being healthy and stop making as many excuses, you know, cause typically just like, okay, well I work out in the summer, I lose a lot of weight and then I gain it all back during the school year. But like now it's more of, it can't just really be a trend in my life. Like I really do need to actively eat better. And, um, you know, my, my, I've had grandparents that have had diabetes. My dad was diabetic and it's like, that could be a real reality for me if, if I don't, uh, change that up. And, you know, I think about my dad's health and maybe if he had been eating healthier, is this something he could have beaten? Um, and, and so in that regard, you know, that has changed my outlook, or at least it's, um, really underlined and bolded some of the things that I should be taking more seriously as I'm getting older. Yeah. I realized that, you know, as I'm mocking myself for like, oh, am I just growing up or are we growing up like mm -hmm. you've been forced to grow up in many ways like well, my my and mom that, does, said that doesn't diminish anything she said something the other day she was like you're not a real adult until your parents die and you know she feels like she became a real adult like at this stage in life you yeah. know with with her parents passing most recent years and you know for you to feel that now is mm -hmm. have you um have you in those situations where you wanted to reach out and update him on something or you know, get his feedback or something. Have you uh, visualized like a response from him or? I, I, I've always been pretty good at know, like I would ask my dad questions and kind of already knowing what he was going to say. I just needed to hear him say it. And so there are definitely moments where like I have questions that I would have asked him and I can already kind of imagine his response and imagine a back and forth where I'd be arguing with him. And even though I'm knowing that he's right, um, and so, yeah, in some ways I, I do that. It's not like I hear his voice or anything like that. It's just kind of a knowing of how he would have responded to any of these situations or how he would be happy for me that I got to go on these trips or, you know, looking at these houses, how, how proud he would be that, you know, I worked on my credit and that I, I'm, I'm seeing that being ben beneficial for me, like a year and a half, two years later after starting that journey. Um, and so I do miss, like, you know, my mom is very proud of me. And, you know, I'd say they're neck and neck as far as uh, who I get to hear from, you know, whenever something's going great in my life. And so I do, I do miss uh, him kind of patting me on the back and, and just, you know, telling me he's proud of me. But I know he would be. So I'm just trying to do him justice and, and make him proud in some of my actions and, and take some of his guidance more seriously now that he's gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Where do you think you talked about him? I know you didn't really intend this, but almost as if it was in the present state. So like mm -hmm. we know where his body is. Yeah. Um, we were all there. Mm -hmm. Where is, where's he like, where's that, spirit that he thought was between his eyeballs now um, like is there what what li lights out like he, lights but, out but he he lives on in me 
Okay. He lives on in my actions. Uh, but as as far as what I believe and everything, like I, I believe it's lights out. I do believe in the second coming. I believe in uh, Jesus returning. And so I believe lights turn back on whenever that happens. Um, but I don't, I'm not the type to think, uh, you know, the dead look down on us from heaven or <laughs> up up on us from hell. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, as far as where he's living, he lives on in me and my actions and my memories and telling stories about him. That's interesting. Yeah. I always like to check back in with people like, so you're pretty standard SDA biblical theology on that. And I, I think that our system is, even when you had to pitch it to people, like it's among the more caring because, Mm -hmm. you know, no, your relative is not burning in a perpetual hell. They're not lost in a purgatory middle space. They're not looking down on you from heaven while everything is great and watching you struggle. Mm -hmm. I think all of that is awesome. It it adds up. Um, I've never pictured a literal ever present burning hell currently same um it makes sense that the earth would be purged and all of that but i always like to do a follow-up when like somebody super close like super close to home passes because i'm like i'm a i'm still a little mystified by that sometimes and Mm -hmm. um i don't know that part almost makes you excited for death and to see well we're about to find out like you know but I, i don't know yeah, I mean, I, would I love for my dad to see my greatest moments from here on out? Sure. Would I hate for him to see all of my difficult times? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would hate for that too. So, um, yeah, I will accept that, you know, he doesn't know what's going on right now, but someday he will, and I'll get to tell him all these stories, and we'll get to catch up. So, The other part of the blessing of uh, the way that our denomination uh, has read the scriptures is that um, it's merciful that he doesn't know, like he's, mm-hmm. he's resting, you know, like it's, he doesn't have to deal with this bull crap. Yeah. You know, cause yeah. w- no more pain. January, 2021. Oh, it's a new year. We're all going to be good. Yeah. Nope. I believe I'm going to see this dude and his knees are going to be better and we're going to be able to play a game of basketball and actually play 21 instead of horse because we can move <laughs> around a little bit better. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I look forward to things like that and, uh, you know. Some people with different belief systems, or if you if you don't believe in in the resurrection or you know anything like that, that's cool too. Um, it's just something that I choose to believe. It gives me comfort. Uh, you know, we 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 talked about kind of our beliefs even before all this craziness went went down, and I still I think I've maintained uh, the same beliefs through the very highs and the very lows of my life. It's inspiring. Um, whether or not you believe in the biblical narrative or anything like that, it's inspiring to see that your faith uh, that gives you comfort and peace and purpose has stuck through this tough time. You know, it's been, you know, before, during and after, and it's holding true and you truly have a North star. Um, what, and it's interesting to see your progression and I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, you know, we all love you and we're still here for you. Yeah if we're a casual friend or if we're a friend that interacts with you on the phone once a month, yeah. what are, what should we be doing right now? Like, should we ask about it every time? Should we let you volunteer it? Um, there's no wrong way unless like, you know, I brought up that one <laughs> bad one from, from last episode. Um, 
but generally everyone, regardless of what they're doing, you know, if, if you say you're thinking of me, you've been praying for me. Love it. I appreciate that. If you're just calling to say, Hey, you know, and, and you don't even bring up my dad, that's completely fine too. Like you, like, I don't need to be coddled, you know, um, there I'm always going to miss my dad. So, you know, there are worse days than others, but, um, just reach out to me like you normally would. You know, if, if we don't typically talk except, you know, once a month or, you know, once every six months or a year, you don't have to reach out to me more than you did before. Um, still would love to hear from you, whoever, whoever wants to, but you don't feel obligated to check in on me. Like I'm going to be okay. I have a great support system. Um, I have very close friends and family that I, I can call upon during those difficult times. So you don't need to go like, it's always appreciated, but I never want anybody to feel obligated. Like, Oh, like this bad thing happened to him. So I, I need to check in onto him. But if you ever feel moved to do so, that it's never going to, you're never going to receive a negative response from me. I, I love hearing from people. That's good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you uh, following up on that. Yeah. No I doubt. know that on the last podcast we were, you were quick to clarify that this is not the, <laughs> the Dean finale episode or anything like that. Yeah. It, you know, we're going to talk about him for the rest of our lives, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, he's, he's a huge part of my everyday life still. Yeah. We yeah. gave you everyday life. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, even if I don't verbalize it, I'm constantly thinking of him. Um, and that's just, that's just how it is. That's life. It's one of the most, uh, I was watching this video earlier this week about uh, like different types of lies, like <laughs> different types of liars, like basic lies, big lies and pathological lies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're all guilty of like really, they, they say like six to eight basic lies in a single day, you know, mm-hmm. things like, Oh, that doesn't make your butt look fat or, <laughs> um, Oh, I'm doing great. Oh, fine. And you like those little interactions. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, we, uh, there's other examples of a more complex lie that are to like, well, why isn't she drinking? Oh, well, because it's, uh, it's Lent Yeah. when the real reason was because she's pregnant, but it's a secret, you know, like there's lies like that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, to cover up another secret or, or save face for somebody. And, Death is such a weird thing because we can lie to you. We can basic lie to you, even sometimes big lie to you mm-hmm. about every other situation to make you feel better. Yeah. Like, no, you don't look fat, babe. Yeah. Or um, it's not as bad as you think or mm-hmm. it'll get better or whatever it is that we're saying. And the thing with death is that it's just an immediate acceptance yeah, exercise. It's, it's finality. It, it, it's, it's, yeah. It's it's in such stark contrast to the way that we operate the majority of our day-to-day lives. Yeah, no doubt. And so people ask me if I'm doing well, if I'm good in that moment. Yeah, I am doing great. And I don't view that as a lie. I am compartmentalizing still some of my feelings. And um, I mean, that's, that's with any sad experience that you've gone through. If you think about it, yeah, that's sad and that sucks. Like... It, but in my day to day, like going through work and, and this past week of work after spring break, you know, had a great time with my students. Uh, my, I felt like my lessons went well. 
Um, had a great time hanging out with friends and family and my fiance. So yeah, life is good, save for these tragedies. Like it, I don't, it's difficult to explain. Yeah, you're like, what do you want from me? Like, yeah, the good is good, the bad is bad. Right. Such is life. Yep. Kesara, Sarah. Yeah. Shabbat shalom. <laughs> Shabbat shalom. Let's uh, let's take some rest on this fine Sabbath. Um, I feel good about this one, dude. I do too. We crushed it. You crushed it. Ah, you Such crushed a it. sexy man you are. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Can't wait to see you up in that gym. Yeah. All right, man. Um, do we know when we'll be back in the future? Um, let's say within the next eight days. Oh, let's say within the next eight days. So maybe maybe a week or maybe two? Wednesday, maybe Saturday, maybe Sunday. Okay. Yeah, but let let's, let's plan talk. this. Uh, let's plan this social with our tots. Like, yeah. hey, tots, like. Get a hold of us. Let us know if you're like a confirmed RSVP. What we'll do mm-hmm. is maybe we'll send out an email to the email. We've never done that yet. Yeah. We'll tweet it out. We can each retweet Instagram, whatever. But let's come up with um, a day. Love that. That we can all virtually socialize. Mm-hmm. And then we'll send out a link and also create a calendar invite for anybody that wants one of those to remind yeah. them. Perfect. That's all right, Todd's. Cool. Another one of the books. You're welcome. You're welks. That's right. You've you've been officially caught up. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.